Oh my goodness. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports episode. And you can correct me if I'm wrong on this. I believe it's 536. Is that right? It is 536. And I can't <laughs> tell you how much hearing, oh my goodness, makes me happy, brings a joy into my heart. It's silly fun, but it's fun and I love it. So my name is Zach. Uh, joining me is my dad, Stephen Schaumler. I'm in Vegas uh, for the Shrine Bowl. Going to hang out with Brett Coleman and Marcus Whitman this week. Dad, it's not warm here, but it's also not cold. I would call it sweatshirt weather. Sweatshirt weather, okay. T-shirt all day. When it gets dark, the sun goes away. So does the warmth. Uh, but then it, at night, it's not really cold. It's just not warm. Sweatshirt weather. You know, I, one of the things I love about Vegas, and I finally figured out what really spoke to me about it. You know, as a kid, as you know, I love Disneyland. Disneyland's lit up so beautiful at night. And then Vegas lit up at night. It just kind of reminded me of that. I go, oh, that's why I like Vegas so much. I like how pretty it looks at night. And it really does look pretty at night. Oh, I got a video to send you. I was at the MGM Grand. I, I drove by it. Let's say I didn't like stop and hang out, but I, I was there and I drove by it and I got a video of it on my, my GoPro. I'll send you. And it's like green and pretty and it's a it's a interesting town. I don't people are not as friendly here. <laughs> <laughs> but they're they're not mean they're just like reluctantly pleasant <laughs> you know like they're yep. they're not like new york where they hate you but they're just they're definitely a little bit apprehensive if they're going to be nice to you or not it's really interesting i love the culture of every different city i go to and you're, you kind of you get a vibe for it what's really kind of a mind melter i almost said mf i don't want to say that a mind melter uh is that you see the casino the same way you see like a starbucks on every corner in, in a normal city and every city has their certain, you know, certain different businesses, uh, coffee shops, restaurants, schools, post office, whatever. In Vegas, the same distribution of every other business is that there's also casinos just next to Wendy's everywhere throughout the city. It's not just on the Strip. It's like throughout this entire area. I thought it was all centered on the Vegas Strip. But no, no, like I saw the Sunset Casino, I think is what it's called today. And it's beautiful, but it's like. In the middle, it's by a Walmart. You're like, what the heck? Why is it so? It's just interesting how spread out through the city, there's just franchises or a different casino establishments spread out the same way you would see a McDonald's or a Starbucks. It's so interesting to me. And you, um, just a couple of things about Vegas. As long as you're on a Vegas tangent, hope that's okay. But if you fly, if you fly in or out of Vegas, they have got slot machines just before you get on the plane. And there are people waiting to get on the plane, playing shot slot machines. People get off the plane and head right over to the slot machine in the airport, which I can't imagine pay very well, but it's just everywhere. Dude, there are people doing slot machines at the gas station. I'm like, what, how, where have you gone to in life? <laughs> That's why I, you know, I don't, I try not to judge, but I'm like, man, I'm filling up my gas. You're doing a slot machine. We are, we are not on the same page in life. Um, now I, I want to ask you, I've got one more thing, but we should save it for later. I did something today for the first time that you will, I think, not be proud of me for, but it's not really negative. And that's the teaser I'm going to give. We'll circle back to that, okay? You'll laugh when you find out what it is. And then, uh, uh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, just. I had two things for Vegas. I cannot remember what the second one was, but hopefully when you share me that thing, you will. But uh, you're going to hang out with Brett Coleman? Yep, correct. So, you know, I don't like him sometimes. 
Do, do you know why? <laughs> I do know why, and it's not what people think. <laughs> it's because he has the most incredible whiskey cocktails, and he puts them on Instagram account. And I love whiskey. I love whiskey cocktails. And I just want to have those whiskey cocktails that Brett Coleman always has. And so uh, sometimes I just get really like, oh, I, I, I know what I get. I get really jelly at uh, him. You know what that if means? If I'm lucky, I'm going to have a cocktail with Brett Coleman. And uh, you know what I had today for the first time? Sangria. It's wine and a cocktail combined. And that's not the thing I was hinting at later for the show, but I had I had sangria for the first time today, and I was like, this is the best thing ever. It's wine and a, a cocktail combined. It was fun. I don't know. Um, I want to ask Did you, you hear what I said that I was chilling, and did you even understand that? I, I ignored your attempt to sound like a 25-year-old. <laughs> I was like, no, let's just ignore that one. You're not in college. I don't even talk like that. Dad, I don't even talk like that, and I'm 25. I looked out, you know, someone the other day, I was in uh, San Luis Obispo. They said, what's your Snapchat? And I looked at them just with a disgusted look. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm 25 years old. I haven't used Snapchat since I was in high school. Well, I, I can't, I, I was almost offended. Another, another adult outside of college asked me for my Snapchat. I was like, what, what, what's happening? Dad, I don't want to ask you, did you nail all four of your picks for this weekend? Cause I, I, I look back and I go, I think he got everything right. I, did. I put on a tweet Saturday morning, put out a tweet on my Twitter account, and um, I got all four right. I was four for four. So now I think I am eight for 10 for the playoffs so far, which is pretty amazing. I feel pretty good about that. You know what you bring to the show that I think is really, really good? I I cannot stomach doing predictions. I just, I like, I, 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 I'm broken. I can't do it. I don't know why exactly, but I just, I even like tried. I really sat down today and looked ahead to next weekend and I tried to make predictions and I came up with interesting stuff to say, but I'm like, I got, I can't, I can't make a prediction. Thank goodness we've got you who can, you got the cojones to make predictions. And I think it adds kind of a fun thing to the show because there's, I love giving people something to look forward to with Stephen Wright, with Stephen Wrong. I can't do it, but you bring that element to the show, and I love it. And I'm such an incredible, knowledgeable football genius. <laughs> I Get mean, out of you. I can say I can say cover two. I can say spider Y banana. Um, I can say those things. I'm sure you can say them. I don't think you know what they mean. <laughs> I what I love about you, Dad, is you you represent the most basic of football fans. <laughs> I think you speak for some of the audience, and I think that's lovely. Um, can we talk about? So I I know you love, love, love this player. So I I want to start with you telling me the joy you felt watching what happened in Buffalo this past weekend with Joe Burrow and the Bengals. It made me so happy. You know, I love Joe Burrow. I love his, um, his confidence. He has confidence, not arrogance. I love his swagger. I love his demeanor. I absolutely love Cincinnati, uh, you, the city, uh, not necessarily the organization, but the city. You and I visited there. Um, we saw oh. Tom Brady play uh, at Bengal Stadium. Uh, Skyline Chili. We, you and I ate a version of that growing when you were growing up. I had some version of that when I was a kid. We got to go to Skyline Chili. We did a podcast with Skyline Chili, a, a culinary treasure podcast. And so to see him succeed and get, get the, once again get as far as he's gotten, it made me so stinking happy. So in my old age... <laughs> I I, uh, I I say that jokingly. In my old age, though, I, I can't stomach a, a snowy winter anymore. I just can't do it. The cold, the cold, I can't handle it. Too much arthritis the, in your bones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just I get sad and cold. And but the the only place I could live that has a snowy winter 
is Cincinnati, Ohio. I, I love it. It's a medium-sized town. There's, it's a blue-collar attitude, incredible beer, fun sports scene. I love it, man. I really love that city. I, you mentioned something. You said confidence, not arrogance. And I, I wanted to find that difference real quick for Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow, I I, I watch Joe Burrow, and I'm I'm so inspired by his undying belief in himself. He's not cocky. Cocky means in order to elevate yourself, you you push other people down. And I don't see that. I'm sure it happens here and there. Like you talk a little bit of trash during a game. But the way Joe Burrow carries himself is not, I'm better than you. You suck. I'm amazing. It's he just totally has confidence that whatever situation he comes across and runs into, he can find a way to succeed and make it work for himself. And I, I aspire to be like that. I really, I think everyone can look up to Joe Burrow and it's, it's incredible watching his development as a human and the, the, the four year run he's been on, right. To be in back-to-back AFC titles, win a Heisman trophy, win a national title, come back from tearing his ACL. And I just, I, I really love, love, love his undying belief in himself. And I, I just think that everyone can look at that and kind of take a, take a lesson from him and learn from him. Cause I just think that's, the best thing about him is he just really believes in himself and he believes in his teammates. And it's not a, it's, it comes from a place of confidence and peace about who he is, not about, um, it's nothing against people he's competing against, if that makes sense. Yeah, he doesn't. I don't think he walked around with that sense of arrogance that I'm better than you are. You know, one of my the football people I love to hate. Uh, strong hate is a strong word, but it probably applies. Uh, is Aaron Rodgers, and he just seems like he just thinks he's smarter than everyone else, and he may not think that, but that's the vibe I get from him. And you know, like I'm I'm smarter than all of you, and I don't think that. What 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 I, what I would say is I I think that the best way to put this is Joe Burrow's confidence comes from a place of it's it's internal, yes. not external. His energy is about himself and he believes in himself, but it's not about putting other people down. And there, that's just such a fine line to walk. And he does it brilliantly. Did you even see there was a quote today? Or I think it was today. He was interviewed and I guess he said on the field, I'm him. I'm him. Like you kind of that thing you see, it's a kind of a meme you see on Twitter and whatever. And he, when he got asked about it, he goes, he, he kind of laughed, but it was, it was, it, it came across as like a, a genuine moment of humility where it's like you know i guess you kind of block you know you black out on the field sometimes and you say stuff he didn't even really remember saying it and it it just was so genuine and i really really want this to be heard we have seen tom brady go from when tom brady's career first started won his first super bowl in new england came out of nowhere very similar to what brock purdy's doing now tom brady was the american dream tom brady was a kid who defied all odds came out of nowhere and I, I was barely alive. I wasn't following football. I was like five years old when Tom Brady made his ascension to start dominating the football world. But I would imagine he was the darling story in the league. There wasn't anyone who hated Tom Brady. The same way, no one has got any animosity towards Brock Purdy. He's fun. He's new. He's exciting. Would you agree? No one really has a reason to hate Brock Purdy unless you're a Seahawks fan. Uh, correct. And even they're too nice. That's why yeah, they're going to like, resign Geno Smith because they're too nice. <laughs> but like, but it, he was, he's a fun new story. Tom Brady used to be that Tom Brady used to be something that everyone aspired to be like, and everyone loved. And as the years went on, Tom Brady went from a fun new story to someone people hated. People got tired of him. And the narrative changed from an, the American dream, this incredible story to something people were tired of. And I, I really hope the same thing doesn't happen with Joe Burrow. Right now, everyone loves Joe Burrow. He's turned around the Bengals. He's an underdog. He's fun. He wins. And right now, 
everyone seems to be on the on the train of he's really confident and that's really cool. My fear is that Joe Burrow is going to stay the same person for the next 15 years, dominate the NFL. But 15 years from now, people will be saying, he's arrogant, he sucks, he talks all this trash. And I'm like, I I just worry that the narrative will change if he's around too long. And that makes me sad. It it could happen. I I think that, um, I think we do have a a culture in the United States where we like the underdog and we like the person that's rising up. But I think things are shifting and I think your generation will probably be more into someone like Joe Burrow, who's consistently who they are. Um, you know, mm. I think, you know, Generation X and definitely the boomers, they're the ones that get cranky and crabby and those kind of things. <laughs> Your generation. Well, I'm Generation X. I'm not a boomer. <laughs> oh, I am the feral, amazing, No, no, you're right. It's about 10 years older generation. than you. Yeah. Actually, no. I, no. So my, my friend is 37, and he talked about his parents being boomers, and they're the generation that won't cancel cable, right? They will not move on. Like, they, it's cultural for them to they, they just refuse to watch uh, he was talking about how dr pimple popper is a tv show his mom watches and he was like mom that's free on youtube it was a youtube channel before a tv show you're sitting through like 10 minutes of commercials every episode what are you doing you could watch it for free and she's like this is how we do it we watch tv we sit in front of our tv and watch our cable they'll never cancel cable you're 10 years younger and you, as far as I know, don't have cable. You have like streaming services and you're kind of hip and young and you're on Twitter and you're doing the, you're trying, man. Are you, how grateful are you? I just called you hip and young. <laughs> That's right. And I'm on, baby, I'm on TikTok even. Oh, I can't stand it. Yeah. Oh, How's your attention span? Is it, is it dying completely? What? No, it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, and so yeah. I, I want to talk about the bills a little bit. Okay. Um, you only had 63 yards of rushing yep. when they lost to the Bengals. Um, their first drive was atrocious. I don't know what they're thinking. Um, I just think to cut to the chase, I think Sean McDermott is, if the bills want to succeed, they need to fire Sean McDermott because now, because he's a defensive minded coach, they need to get someone that's an offensive minded coach and they need to really take care of the quarterback, Josh Allen, because I think he's going to decline. And if they bring everybody back they're they what I think they went 13 and three this year. They're going to not as win, win as many games next year. They're not going to do as well. And I just think they're, they're on the road down if they don't get rid of it. I just, I, I just, I expected it. I predicted it, but I think people don't understand what's actually happening. And I think a good example of that for me is Stefan Diggs going crazy. Um, I think that sort of lack of respect. I think that showed a lack of, of, of control. There's no way in the world that Stefan Diggs would have done that on a Bill Belichick team or a Sean Payton team or a, um, a McDaniel team from Miami. I just don't think that would happen because there'd be respect for the coach. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I have so much to say to all that. Um, number one, it's it's tough. You know, I, I how let's start with can we start with stuff on digs and then I'll respond to everything else you just said. Yeah. How would you respond to the counterpoint to anyone criticizing stuff on digs saying, well, if Tom Brady does that, it's passion. When stuff on digs does it, it's out of line. Why? Where? Where is the difference there? And it's interesting to me that there's a you know, some people have said, like, he won't be allowed the the generosity of saying that's passion and competitiveness. 
Whereas other players like Tom Brady do that same thing. Tom Brady breaks an iPad and I don't like that stuff from Tom Brady. I think it's a lack of emotional maturity, even though I love Tom Brady. I, I how would you respond to that critique of, of people criticizing Stefan Diggs? That makes sense. Yeah, I think that the difference for me with Stefan Diggs is not that he was pissed off and not that he expressed that he was pissed off. It's that he attacked his quarterback. Mm. That, it's, that it's, to me, crosses a line. You're, you're going after someone publicly. You're, you're, it's, and it's it not only, I don't know if it's humiliation exactly, but if you go to your boss and say, this guy's, you stand in the office and you point at your boss and say, this guy sucks. You can't exactly, you know, it's like, it's, it's not an exam, it's dissension. It's not good. So you're right. Maybe there's something about openly coming after somebody that's not quite a good look. Yeah. And for me, if Tom Brady said, my coach sucks publicly, I would be like, dude, that's not cool. That's not okay. That's not mm. passion. That's, that's so you, crossing a line. It's breaking an inanimate object and be pissed, being pissed off is different than publicly shaming somebody on your own and, team that you're supposed to work with long term. I think as far as it affects the team and as far as it's evidence of there's a problem. I do think that breaking it is emotional maturity issues, possibly. You know, I'm not saying it's not emotional maturity issues. And I'm not saying it's okay to just go around breaking things and that that's a good way to express your anger or a healthy way to express your anger. But my issue is when you're attacking other people that you're supposed to be on the same team with, it's like getting in a fight with your spouse in public in the, in the market or in the restaurant. It just, it just, there's something's wrong there. That's just not what you do. You don't, yeah, you don't get in, you don't go to Olive Garden to get in a shouting match. Yeah. You don't insult your spouse publicly. It's just not, if you do, there's a problem in the relationship. Mm. I'll tell you what. Hey, I, I can't afford to break an iPad. If anyone can, it's Tom Brady. I'll say that. And, you know, like we do live in different realities a little bit. Um, uh, now, now, just to be clear, <laughs> just to be clear, being an Apple fan, Tom Brady did not break iPads. Uh, Those were Microsoft Surface oh, nonsenses. So maybe it's okay. Maybe yeah, it's fine. I, yeah, I think it's break all the Microsoft <laughs> stuff you want, as far as I'm concerned. Fair enough. You know, hey. Hey, I actually like that train of thought. Um, so you said something, and I, I want to talk about it. It's Sean McDermott might have hit his ceiling, and it's probably plateauing and is, and taken maybe Buffalo as far as he can. Um, I, I tend to actually agree with that. I don't like that because I, I really like Sean McDermott. He seems like a wonderful human. Like I'd love to play for him as far as interacting with him. He seems like a great guy. So it's not a personal attack, but what I what I will say is that I worry there's a lack of urgency with a couple NFL teams. And in the NFL, it's a copycat league. And you hear that a lot, meaning that when a coach on offense, for example, is doing something really successful, other NFL teams will copy that and try to do the same thing as them. So you see people copying other people's success. But what seems to not be happening in the NFL is teams looking around and going, why are teams failing? Let's avoid that same mistake. And we saw it. The Colts and Andrew Luck, um, we saw the Colts not really have a sense of urgency when it came to supporting Andrew Luck, and it led to a massive, massive underachievement by him. In fact, he left his career early. I look around the NFL, and I see Justin Herbert in L.A. with the Chargers. As a defensive head coach, they're massively underachieving in L.A. with the Chargers, and it's frustrating because you want them to hire a better coach. You see Buffalo appear to have hit a, a ceiling and kind of plateaued and taken their, their success as far as they can. If you don't, so you can keep Sean McDermott and that's fine. He hasn't done horrible 13 and three back-to-back playoff appearances. Like that's let's respect that. That's a, that's a successful year. But if you want to go farther, you, you got to do something different and to not hire 
let's to not maybe go after Sean Payton, for example, a brilliant offensive head coach who we think both of you and me could get more out of Josh Allen. It shows a lack of urgency. And that makes me concerned that you don't recognize what you have. You've got a really, really special, talented quarterback, Josh Allen. And I would want to maximize his opportunity and maximize his success and make something happen sooner. So what do you have to say to that, that idea of a lack of urgency from NFL teams trying to get the most out of their incredible, young, talented quarterbacks? I don't know that it's urgency, but I think it's a lack of hunger lack and it's some complacency they're not hungry to win at all they are happy they're 13 and 3 now they're sad that they lost again and they didn't make it you know as far as they wanted it did, but i think they're sad but they're thrilled they're 13 and 3 they're no longer losers oh for so many years we were so long losers so mm. i think there's there's complacency uh, that's a problem there and i think it's cluelessness that they don't understand i don't think they're hungry and in it to do whatever it takes to win it all because you're going to take a hit for firing a nice guy but it's a I, risk. I, it's a huge I would, risk. I would, if I was the owner and I'm a billionaire, I would not, I would not blink. I would say, Sean, you're a great guy, but you're done. Cause I don't need a nice guy. I need an offensive quarterback. That's going to get us far or coach. It's going to get us farther than you have. You've been here six years. I just don't think it's going to happen. I got to go with my gut. I'm going to try and get someone that's going to get us where we want to go. The question that maybe should be asked in Buffalo is, do you want to go 13 and three or do you want to win a Super Bowl? And the good news is they aren't going to go 13 and three next year. And so then maybe next year they'll decide, but then that's another year. Like you said, that they've burned, you know, you, you, you get, like you get 10, 10 matches in a matchbook and then you keep lighting it, throwing on a wet log. You're, you're well, just burning years. It's yeah. That's why I say it's a lack of urgency because when I, if I have Justin Herbert as my quarterback or Josh Allen as my quarterback, and I'm like, this guy's incredibly talented. I have a fear of wasting good years of their career. That's where that urgency comes from. And so is it a risk to fire someone like Sean McDermott, who we, I think both of us, you and I respect him. He's a good coach, but how much do you want to get any farther? That's why I say it's a lack of urgency. It's, it's almost like you don't respect what you have. You're, you're, I love that. The word complacency though, you're, you're comfortable, you like it, and you're maybe not hungry enough to go farther. And speaking of coaches in that game, I heard this little uh, tidbit about Zach Taylor that he really drove home to his team that, hey, um, they are 13 and one for home playoff wins. And uh, they were so excited to to not to, then for them, it was a big like not a challenge. Oh, be afraid of it. Like, yeah, let's ruin that. Let's make them let's make them uh, 13 and two. Let's not make them 14 and one. It's really hard to win playoff games in Buffalo. And we're going to go in there and do it. And his team loved that challenge, I think, because they love him and they're fighting and they've got Joe Burrow. And they've got all this energy and intensity <laughs> that is not present over on the Bills sidelines. I've got a lot of praise for Zach Taylor, man. I, I really, I got a couple of things to say. First of all, I think he, he really outcoached the, the bills. He like his, his game plan was awesome on offense. It was really, you know, that's another thing that's underrated about this, um, this game from Buffalo's perspective is Sean McDermott's a defensive minded head coach. You know, like if the, I know he's not the defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier is, but as a defensive mind, it's, Part of, this is part of his his responsibility to have the defense prepared to play the Cincinnati Bengals, and I felt like their game plan of defense wasn't very good. But on top of that, the one thing that's got me all in on Zach Taylor now is hearing Joe Burrow talk about Zach Taylor. Joe Burrow said, like, I'm going to, you know, there was a quote, he said, like, the window is open every year I'm here when asked about the Super Bowl window. The Bengals, you know, someone reporter said, Joe, how do you feel about the Super Bowl window? Do the Bengals 
opportunity to win a Super Bowl. When when does that open and when can it close? And he said, as long as I'm in Cincinnati, the Super Bowl window is open. We've got a shot to win a Super Bowl. And then he, he actually, the, the quote was, as long as I'm here and Zach Taylor is here. So in, in Joe Burrow's head, he's Sean Payton and Drew Brees. He's got a coach who's got his back, who rallies the troops, and he likes working with. And that's really interesting to me. When uh, someone like Joe Burrow tells me something, I believe him. And if, if that's the guy he's rocking with that he believes in, I think that says something to, to me. Have you heard anything that tells you anything, anything anecdotally, that that's how Josh Allen feels about Sean McDermott? No. Yeah, there, there you go. Um, anything else about that game? I, I do have one thing. Okay. Um, it's the idea of, and, and maybe this is looking ahead too much. Okay, so we can talk about, I think we should actually talk about this later too. But the Bengals are now moving on to the AFC title game. One game from the Super Bowl. Last year, they lost the Super Bowl. And can they stomach losing another Super Bowl? Maybe if they win, great. But I, I asked the question, is it better for Cincinnati to lose next weekend against Kansas City in the AFC title game than it is? You know, Is that a better loss that you can bounce back from more easily than losing a Super Bowl? So I think generally, and I've been thinking about this while my thoughts have changed and they've evolved, but I think generally losing a Super Bowl, you have a big hangover and yep. you suck. And that didn't happen to the Bengals this year. And no. I think if they lost three or four Super Bowls in a row, like the Bills did when I was young, I think that could really do them in. But I think this year, my current thinking now is this year, if they beat the Chiefs and they win the AFC and they're the best team in the AFC, and for two years in a row, they've told the Chiefs, by action, you're not as good as us. I think the city of Cincinnati will love that, and the organization will love that. And it won't; uh, their Super Bowl hangover won't be as bad because they're going to focus on the win they had, beating Kansas City and putting Kansas City in its place. Mm -hmm. Because everyone talks like Joe Burrow is not as good as Patrick Mahomes, and the Chiefs are just not as good as the Cincinnati Bengals. And that would that would. So you mean, you mean the Bengals aren't as good as the Chiefs? Yes, and I think that would impact that narrative. Mm. So you think, you know, I'll say if any team can bounce back from losing two Super Bowls in a row, it's Joe Burrow's led. It's a Joe Burrow led football team. Like he's just got this undying confidence and his yep. ability to rally the people around him. And I think it goes hand in hand. That's why you got to give Zach Taylor some props as well, because clearly he was saying some stuff in the building and doing the right stuff to motivate people as well. I think that's really cool. Can we can we talk about one other thing now is that. I, I heard I, I I don't know who said this. I, I try not to look at Twitter. I do look at Twitter. I think Nick Wright said this. Nick Wright, I believe, is a, a Chiefs fan. Who he's he does like sports radio somewhere now. But he was talking about how Josh Allen gets more respect for losing to, to Kansas City last year. Remember that game where they went to overtime and every, it's unfair. They should have got the ball back, yada yada. Josh Allen gets more respect in the media for losing to Kansas City than Joe Burrow gets from actually beating Kansas City last year. And that, that's interesting to me, like the the narrative around Josh Allen compared to Joe Burrow. And I think it's why they would actually, I think if they're going to lose, I'd rather them lose the Super Bowl than lose the NFC Championship because I think that's going to dispel that. And all of a sudden, Joe Burrow will now be, he will now be treated as an equal to Patrick Holmes and um, Josh Allen as opposed to the third guy. He wouldn't just be the king of the North. He'd be the king of the AFC. Yes. Which has the best quarterbacks, I think, in the NFL. You look at Mahomes, Allen, Herbert. To, yep. to look at that and say, who's won that two years in a row? It's it's Joe Burrow. 
you're right. That there's something to that. That's really interesting. Yeah. And I think really when people think about who just, I think, I think, and I don't could be wrong, but when the average fan thinks about who they don't want their team to play, I think they think about teams like the Kansas city chiefs and the Buffalo bills, the Cincinnati Bengals don't show up in that consciousness yet. Um, which is mm. interesting, but I think another AFC championship would help shift that. So I, I don't have a favorite team, but I actually think I'm already ready to say it. if if I loved I lo- the only team I love is the Seattle Mariners. Begrudgingly, it makes me very sad. I hate being a Mariners fan, but I ha- I have to acknowledge emotionally I am because when they lose, I'm sad, and when they win, I'm happy, and I can't escape that. If I had a favorite NFL team, and I was in a playoff game. If I was playing Josh Allen, I wouldn't be thrilled. I'd be like, dang it, man! But we've seen him lose games. Uh, I wouldn't be excited to play Patrick Mahomes. That would terrify me. But I, I think actually at this point, Joe Burrow and what he's accomplished and his moxie and his ability to just find, make any situation work to his benefit. I, I in my heart, if my t- favorite team was playing Cincinnati in, the, in a playoff game, I'd be like, that's the guy that scares me. That's the guy that I go, oh, like, I don't want to admit this, but there's a dark part of my heart that's really terrified for my favorite team. Yeah, I think Joe Burrow is going to have the same kind of that sense of uh, over time, we really don't want to play him, not necessarily his team, but him, just like for years people had about Tom Brady, because just yeah. somehow, some way pulls it out and makes it happen. Yeah. Okay, ready to talk uh, Eagles, Bengals? I mean, Eagles, uh, Bengals, e- Eagles, Eagles, Giants. Bengals. Eagles, wow. Giants. That, that might be the, hey, is that a Freudian slip about the Super Bowl? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the Eagles beat the Giants 38 to 7. And. Um, actually, I want to ask you, do you have any thoughts first to start us off? I just, um, it was just a beatdown. It was just an ever loving beatdown. Uh, do you want me to say more? I got more. No, go ahead. I think that the uh, Eagles look like the most complete team of the teams that are left. They just looked really, really complete. Um, I felt like it was incredibly discouraging for the Giants when they're hoping um, that Jalen Hurts is 70, 80%, and his second play from scrimmage, he throws that long pass, and they're like, holy crap, if he's 70 to 80, we're screwed. If he's 100, we're really screwed. I think it was deflating to them. And then yeah. nothing went well for them. You know, early in the in the game, it looks like they're going to try and make it happen. And Daniel Jones tries to run and gets tripped by his own player. Uh, in the first quarter, the coach goes for it in fourth and eight, which he should have never done. He should have just kicked. But just yeah. nothing fell their way. Nothing went their way. Um, you know, they had a dropped pass in second in the second half that should have been caught, could have been a touchdown. I just felt like it was it was all not only a beatdown, but then they didn't play well and had nothing none of the dominoes fell their way. Yeah, I I, I do I love that idea of Jalen Hurts is coming back from an injury and maybe he won't maybe it gives us an edge. Maybe he's not like we're talking about, you know, Patrick Mahomes got hurt this past weekend and the narrative going into that game against Cincinnati is Maybe Patrick Mahomes won't be at 100%. And I think the Giants were hoping they weren't going to get Jalen Hurts at full strength. And unfortunately, it looks like they did. And if, if that's on him at full strength, that's terrifying. I, I want to say, I, I, on, on the Giants, they didn't play a great game. But I, I walked away with nothing but respect for them. Like, I, I'm having a hard time criticizing the Giants. They were really outmatched. Like, you know, think about who's got a better roster. And think about for years who was building the Giants roster. I thought for years the Giants made really bad decisions when it came to building their football team. They had a general manager, Dave Gettleman, who I did not like and did not agree with on almost anything. And then you look at Philly, who's got not only the best general manager in football, but maybe the best general manager in sports, who just five years ago won a Super Bowl. And then now he's back 
and with basically an entire different team, different coaching staff, only like three of the same players. The Eagles are back on the doorstep of a Super Bowl. That's incredible team building to me. And so the Giants are feeling the effects of having a bad general manager for years. And I think from my perspective, I'm impressed the Giants are even in this game. And so for them to get dominated in a game where on paper they were thoroughly outmatched, I find it hard to come down. Like if I'm a Giants fan, I'm sad, but I'm like, I'm happy we got there. Like we overachieved and had a good year. So I don't, I don't have any, I don't have much negative to say about the Giants. I just think they were thoroughly outmatched. The, the Giants coach is amazing. I think Daniel Jones under that coach has turned a corner. We'll see if he can keep it up this next year, but, but I hope he does. And I think he can. And just given how the Giants organization conducts business, I think they're going to resign him and he'll get a, he'll get a, maybe not a great contact, but a contract, but a pretty good contract. And then hopefully he keeps, if at least has the same level of skill he's had recently, the past, you know, past few games, they're in good shape. You know, the, I don't like the bills the, to me, they are terrible. Um, they, they, their future is, it looks bleak without massive changes. I feel the exact opposite about the Giants. Mm. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, I, I, the bills aren't terrible, but you're, you're really concerned about them hitting a plateau, right? Is the Buffalo? Uh, I, they're only terrible if you want to win playoff games and Super Bowls because they're going to they're mm. going to do worse in the playoffs next year if they change nothing and they're going to win fewer games next year and for them that is going to feel like a kick in the stomach. So you see Buffalo about to take a step backward, maybe even a small one, but a step backward where the Giants appear to be in a position where they could take a step forward next year. Correct. Mm. You know, I, I'll say maybe a, a silver lining here in the Giants loss, you know, 38 to seven is that if they lose 38 to 35 and Daniel Jones throws five touchdowns, I think Daniel Jones really forces you to give him a massive contract. You're going to get a better deal uh, from the quarterback position. If you resign Daniel Jones now because of that game. And I, it might actually work to their benefit that he, because I don't think they were going to win this game regardless, but thank goodness they didn't lose barely and have Daniel Jones just dominate because then they'd be in a position where they'd have to give Daniel Jones a massive contract. Whereas now they don't, which I think for the long-term benefit of their franchise, it's better to not have to pay a quarterback a crippling amount of money. It's better for Daniel Jones. As crazy Mm -hmm. as that sounds, he will play longer and make more with a little less money and them having better people around him than if he gets a big contract and then he has no good players. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Can we talk about, so uh, we'll get to Jalen Hurts in a moment. We both love him. But let's talk about Nick Sirianni, the Philadelphia Eagles head coach. Man, I I just love this man. I, I love his attitude. I love his approach. He's, from a, a schematic standpoint, you know, play design and creativity, he's so good at putting his players in a position to succeed. Like, he really gets the most out of his personnel, which I love. But on top of, like, his, his mind and offensive genius – I, I just love his attitude and his leadership. Can you tell me about that? 
Yeah, I've got a couple uh, Nick Sirianni nuggets I think are amazing. Um, so Friday night before the game, he had his team, he had a team meeting, and he played them um, the rap battle from 8 Mile, you know, Eminem's movie 8 <laughs> yeah. Mile, oh, ju- just movie. to fire them up and motivate them. And his message to the team, let them talk. We'll show them who's the toughest for the longest. And just just how cool mm-hmm. to have that, just that, just a coach has got a cool motivating thing that resonates with the people, I just with his team. Uh, I just love that little nugget. Uh, and I, I like the, first of all, eight mile incredible movie. That's, you know, the, I, if you haven't seen eight mile, go watch it. But I, I love the attitude of we're not going to talk, let them talk. We're just going to beat, we're going to dominate them. We'll show you with our play where you, you know, like the, when the lion, when the dog barks, the lion isn't bothered. And the best way to make a statement is just by winning 38 to seven and dominating a team Look rather you, than talking problems. on Twitter. So, yeah, I, I, it's almost like you raised me. <laughs> hey, um, the, okay, another Nick Sirianni thing is after the game. Um, so, uh, rap artist Meek Mill, a lot of people know, but he is prominent in Philly and really likes the Eagles and has performed at Eagle Games and, um, you know, Dream Chaser. He's got this whole thing and he's got Nightmares and Dreams. I think that's right, is one of his songs. And so, there's a Dream Chasers necklace that the um, Eagles defensive back, CJ Gardner Johnson, gave to the coach and he was wearing it after the game uh in the uh, Nick Sarno was wearing it after the game in the locker room and is how cool is that he's just like leaning into it let's go for it I got something man I, I do you have more to say on Nick Sirianni yeah I've got one more when you're ready go for it man hell yeah okay so um he defends his players um so that are in his defenses team and so mm-hmm. it's the press conference after that game They've put the beat down on the Giants. And at the press conference, um, so the defensive coordinator is Jonathan Gannon and uh, Angelo Catalondi. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but Angelo is the morning host on 94.1 WIP. And he's a frequent critic of, um, of Gannon, the defensive coordinator. And so here's, here's Nick Sirianni's quote from the playoffs. I mean, from the from podium postgame. Sometimes I have to hear some things about Jonathan Gannon. I don't know if it's you guys. It might be more other people. I won't say names, Angelo, but this guy is an unbelievable coordinator. The fact that he does get respect from our own radio station blows my mind. People love to play for this guy. He called out the guy. I'm not going to name names, Angelo. And I just think everybody just love that. Like, you get him. We're tough. We're bad. We're the Phillies. We're, We're Philly. We're the Eagles. And I just think that just fired up his staff it's got to fire up his team and it right there right there in the press conference that's like a public beatdown. i got i got two things to say on that first of all good for angelo you know how much better his show did the next day in ratings like people <laughs> tuned in people tuned in to hear what he had to say in response to nick sirianni which i ah good for it like that's awesome man good for him like i just for business that was good for angelo whoever the hell he is i'm, I'm sure that's awesome for him and i've always said if i could do local radio in any city it'd be philly or new york and i'd probably lean philly because that would be like the anger and the passion and the energy there is incredible. I love them or hate them. Like they're, they're so, I love their fan base. And I, I think it makes sports better when people are like that. But then man, for a player, a staff, everyone to know that your head coach has your back. That is absolutely incredible. And I just love that, man. I, I really, really think that um, it's so meaningful to know that your coach has your back and is willing to defend you. And th- that's the kind of stuff that creates loyalty where, 
you you fight hard for that man. And when, let's say in a fourth quarter of a, an important game, Nick Sirianni yells at you. Well, that that's the guy that's had my back and had all of our backs all year. So he's earned your respect. So you're not going to flare your back and get mad at him. You're going to listen because you know, at the end of the day, he's had your back all year and has your back all season. And so it just, I think what's kind of going on behind the scenes there is Nick Sirianni's earned the respect of his players and his personnel and his coaching staff to such a massive degree. And that's part of why they're winning. Yeah, I, I know you've had coaches that you've played for that had your back and coaches you've played for that didn't have your back. And it really destroys team chemistry. And for people that haven't played football, they've worked at places where they had a boss that had their back and they worked at places where a boss didn't have their back. And it is demoralizing and creates problems when you have a sense or you'd flat out know the boss doesn't have your back. And it is energizing and empowering when you know that you have a boss that does have your back. And frankly, when someone, when you know someone has your back and supports you, it also can open the door and give the coach the right to coach you harder and criticize you sometimes. Yes. Cause they, again, they've earned the right. He's, yep. you know, if I just think that's so psychologically important and I, I really, I I've said it before, but I, I want to repeat, I, I was so wrong about Nick Sirianni when he got hired. He had this like nervous, sweaty, mumbly press conference. that was a terrible look. I, I remember saying like, I'm trying to be fair, but that's a terrible press conference. And he has turned into such an incredible leader and he's, he's exactly what Philadelphia needed. And I'm, I'm so glad I was wrong. And like, the the human element of it is that he seems like an awesome person, like a guy I'd love to talk to and get a beer with. And I, I, whenever I talk about a coach or a player, I try to also acknowledge and understand their heart. And from the outside looking in, it seems like Nick Sirianni's heart is in, in such a good place. And he's such like a lovely human. And that, that makes him easy to root for. Yep. And you know, I got to, I, I, I want to put on my dad hat for a second. Um, just because you said earn the right and you're, 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 there's things I've, you've heard me teach that I just think are so helpful. I just, I just got to share it if that's all right. But I think before you tell someone something that's tough, that's hard, you guys ask two questions. One, have you earned the right? If you have a right to tell them, it's just not going to go well. And the second question is, do they really want to hear it? Because even if you've earned the right, sometimes people just don't want to hear it. And it does no good. Like you can't teach a pig to sing. All you do is frustrate the teacher and irritate the pig. So do not tell people things that they don't, that they, that, that you haven't earned the right to tell them and that you, um, that they don't want to hear. T- tough, uh, I, t- tough yeah. things, hard things. Well, I mean, let's, let's go into the tangent for a second. If you're in a relationship and your, your girlfriend's talking to you about something, sometimes you can even ask like, Hey, do you want, someone to listen or do you want feedback right because sometimes they don't want you to try to help them solve the problem or try to give them feedback they just want someone to listen to them and then other times if if i'm in i I had a a incredible like hour-long phone call with a good friend of mine marcel the other day and he's he's kind of going through a breakup and we've got a lot of parallels between our our, our breakups uh and i I was like hey man like can i can i offer advice like i i I asked him i said "I, i have some thoughts but are you are you comfortable with me sharing my thoughts. And he says, yeah, please tell me. But I wanted to make sure he was okay with that first. Yeah. I didn't just spew and t- talk down to him because that would have been totally inappropriate. And you've earned the right with Marcel, by the way, who's an incredible young man. He's just phenomenal. So you've earned the right with him. 
Um, yeah. And you made it was very clear that he wanted to hear what you had to say. You had some maybe tough things to share, but it worked out. And I just think that's an important lesson. All right. Yeah. You By the way, talk- that's a former XFL NFL player. I'm going to just say, went to high school with him. Pretty cool. I, lo- I know. Sorry. I had to. It's weird to acknowledge Marcel who played for Missouri and like on a football podcast to not say like his background. I love him to death, man. Um, <laughs> he's a phenomenal, I, I got, he's a phenomenal human being. I want it. We got to talk about Jalen Hurts though. We, okay. we have to. Um, I, I absolutely love Jalen Hurts. I, he, I, I, I made a video years ago, like my three favorite college quarterbacks of all time. It was Baker Mayfield, Gardner Minshew, and Jalen Hurts. And their stories in college alone were just incredible. Whether that, whether that plays, in fact, I think I even said in the video, like, I don't know that Jalen Hurts is going to have a good NFL career. I don't know that Gardner Minshew is going to have a good NFL career. It's funny. They're actually teammates now, which is hilarious. But what I just want to say is the, this, the, I don't know if story arc is the right word, but the journey of Jalen Hurts to go from when he was at Alabama getting benched in the national title game against Georgia and having Tua replace him. And then to sit on the bench for a year after that at Alabama and go a whole year as the backup, then go to Oklahoma, then Philly. And every year I have watched Jalen Hurts, he gets better. He makes an incremental step forward. And that is so hard to do and whatever Jalen Hurts offseason process is it's incredible and has to be replicated I just it's like so it's we almost never see a quarterback make progress as steadily as Jalen Hurts has one of the only other people that do that is Tom Brady who like every year you watch Tom Brady he's a slightly better slightly different quarterback Jalen Hurts I, I would imagine he's got a team of people helping him like they probably get together in April and he watches all every game and all the film and evaluates and then picks like two or three things to work on that offseason because you can't fix, you can't overhaul your entire game as a quarterback every year. You can't come out with a different throwing motion and different footwork. You, if you focus on too many things to get to improve that, it's an overload and it's just not an achievable goal. But clearly Jalen Hurts picks like two or three things every offseason and then gets way better at them and takes a big step forward. And from a when you're really looking at it, it, it's an incremental benefit every year. But then when you step back and you go, look at where he is now compared to where he was at Alabama, it's an incredible leap forward. And I just really love that about Jalen Hurts is that when you stack small steps forward over a long amount of time, the progress is so huge. I climbed a mountain one time and it's like Jalen Hurts looks, I, I was standing atop of Mount St. Helens two summers ago, looking back and I'm like, I can't believe I climbed that far. And I did. And going along the way, it was slow and it took a long time. But if you do slow, steady progress for long enough, you'll climb a mountain. And Jalen Hurts has just climbed a mountain as an NFL quarterback. Like that, that the same person who now is probably going to lead Philadelphia to a Super Bowl and might win the NFL MVP is the same human being who got benched in a national title game and was known in Alabama for not being a good thrower of the football. That's an incredible dramatic change. That's taken years of work. And I just, I just love that about Jalen hurts. I find such admiration for him and his, his work ethic and his approach and whoever's helping him. Well, here's what I really love about that too, is you said, you said it, he's going to lead, he's leading his team. And I really think, you know, leaders galvanize. If, you know, if I had to do leaders, you know, 
uh, years ago, uh, you know, I heard training that was appropriate that leaders influence, but I think even better, yes, they influence, but really good leaders galvanize. And I think that he is the actual leader in the same way that Joe Burrow galvanizes his team and he leads his team. Jalen is not just a really good quarterback that's gotten better. He's become better as a leader and everyone looks to him as the leader to make it happen. I mean, my goodness, was it Nick Sirianni who was comparing him to Michael Jordan? Sincerely? Foolishly? I mean, his, he was trying to say, this is how much I respect my quarterback. So he went with a Michael Jordan comparison I, I think and I don't care about the comparison but that's where his heart was that's where the coach's heart was that's a true leader when the, the coach wants to praise you that way I, I'll, I'll challenge I don't challenge the right word but I want to I want to catch you in something you said because I know that listeners are like what he said what now they're gonna fight you on it I don't know that he's gotten better as a leader I I, I think he's always been that guy like I think I think that's why when Jalen Hurts was at Alabama and wasn't the best passer on the roster. Like two was behind him and two was throwing the football better. That, there's a reason why uh, Nick Saban, the head coach at Alabama, had a really hard time moving on from Jalen Hurts. Why it took him so long to bench him. Why he allowed him to stay another year as a backup. Do you know how difficult it is to be a backup quarterback when you used to be the starter? <laughs> like to, to, to the energy of someone else has my job and I, I'm here fighting and competing and having a good attitude. And I remember at Alabama when Jalen Hurts was the backup behind Tua, that that kind of lost year of his career where he only was playing when they were beating like, you know, uh, any, you know, Ole Miss 45 to 10 or something, right? Whenever they had a big lead, he came in and garbage time in the fourth quarter. And by the way, he looked awesome in that time. He appeared to have a really supportive and great relationship with Tua. There was no ego there. He was a great leader even then. Like that, I just, I really think, I, I think he's always been an incredible leader. I, I, I agree with you that he's gotten better as a player. I'm not saying he wasn't a great leader. I just think he has continued to become a better leader. Mm. Well, let, let's say this. I, man, I didn't I, say he sucked as leader. I never thought yeah. he was a bad leader, but I think he's gotten better and better. And he just speaks with presence and confidence that is even better than what he had when he was at Alabama. I mean, Jalen Hurts. And, and humbleness. He's got some humbleness. It's all, oh. it's kind of an interesting mix. He's got humbleness and confidence and presence and power all rolled into one. It's impressive. It, it, it's a smooth amount of power. Yep. I don't know how to, you know, it's like a, I, I really, really would imagine, given his approach to football, right, where he really values growing and getting better and making steps, taking steps forward. I would imagine if you sat down and talked to him, he's an incredibly kind, just a person who also values personal growth. And yeah. it's it's just hard to imagine. I don't know Jalen Hurts personally. It's hard to imagine, given his approach to playing the quarterback position and given how much he clearly values making progress as a as a quarterback, that he doesn't also approach life that way. And he probably, I would think, also takes steps to work and grow as a human and that would mean he's definitely a better leader than he was at, at Alabama because th that's how he lives his life is he's just constantly taking strides and getting better. And I, I just, I, I would love to like sit down and talk to him. I don't, don't you get that sense that Jalen hurts is just like an incredible person too, whether it's being recorded or not. Like I, I bet talking life with Jalen hurts around a campfire would be really special. Well, and the other thing for me is, you know, I love, I call them life change achievement books. I'm always reading one or two at a time. I think it's really important, you know, to read sure. a book a month, 10 pages a day, get you through most of those kind of books in a month. And I would love to find out what books have you read in the past five years that really spoke to you? 
that I bet he has would an be answer. fantastic. I, I bet he has an answer, man. I I'm really sure he does. Do. I'm sure yeah. he does. Just this is a lovely human. Jalen Hurts, easy to root for, awesome quarterback, probably gonna win the NFL MVP, and and what a lovely human he seems to be. All right, Cowboys 49ers. Before we do it, I'm feeling you know what I'm feeling right now? I'm feeling huh. some joy for Rocket Money, baby. That sponsor this episode of Strong Opinion Sports. Oh man. Um, are you wasting money on subscriptions? Dad, did you know that 80% of people have subscriptions? They've forgotten about, and maybe you're listening and it's you and you've got like an Amazon prime, uh, that you're not using account you're using or a Hulu account you haven't used in like six months. And you're like, Oh, I'm still paying for that. That's a problem. Well, there's this great app I use. that helps me track all the money I'm spending. Like what exactly am I spending? And what am I spending it on? So I owe a big thank you to rocket money for sponsoring this episode. It used to be known as Truebill. It's now known as rocket money. And the rocket money app shows you all of your subscriptions in one location and then cancels whatever you don't want. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you didn't know you had. You know, by the way, this was me. I was literally paying a what SoundCloud, an $8 a month SoundCloud account that I not only didn't know I was paying for, but once I became aware of it, I couldn't figure out how to stop paying for it. Rocket Money took care of it. Like, I didn't have to call. Can I tell you the story? Yeah. My, 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 comfort, my, my account with SoundCloud was so old that their user IDs have nine digits, but mine had eight. So when I went through the automated process with the Spotify website and and phone line to cancel my thing, they're like, sorry, you have eight digits. We need nine. And I'm like, well, I've had it for years and I couldn't cancel it. Rocket Money solved all of that. It was really, really awesome. So sometimes you'll find out you've been double charged for a subscription or you have one you didn't know about or paying for. To cancel a subscription with Rocket Money, all you got to do is hit the cancel button. They take care of the rest. So get rid of useless subscriptions now. Go to rocketmoney.com slash SOS. That's rocketmoney.com slash SOS. Cancel your unused or unnecessary subscriptions right now at rocketmoney.com slash SOS. And a uh, little commentary. They're a great sponsor. I think times are tough and they help you save money. So that's the kind of sponsor I live for, right? I, I love anything that helps you save money to help me save money. And uh, I also like working with them behind the scenes. So rocketmoney.com slash SOS. They're legitimately awesome. Dad, how was that? Was that a, was that a good ad read or what? That was good. And you, it's true because you really, you called me. You were excited. You found, you know, that you're saving money. You've got SoundCloud was coming Dude, after you. How insane is that? Eight digits, not nine. Like, I, I, <laughs> I was so frustrated. Yeah, that was I, the SoundCloud I, you got when you were 12 years old. Do every system SoundCloud had to cancel your subscription was failing me. And the only way to do it was I just go rocket money solved it for me. And it was awesome. Let's talk about your favorite team to hate on the Dallas Cowboys. How much <laughs> joy did you feel when they lost uh, this past weekend? Uh, tremendous. Cause like I said, last episode, they have no shot. They had no shot. And just to be <laughs> clear, the reason I don't like the Cowboys, um, I have a heart for a, uh, Dak Prescott seems like a nice person. Yeah. I'd be happy Jerry Jones is getting old. Be happy if he won a Super Bowl. But Dallas Cowboys fans are so obnoxious and so arrogant and so terrible. Um, they are not America's team. Um, it's still now it's been 31 years since they've won an away playoff game. Um, so I'm always happy. You know, I, I, number one, number one losing is uh, when Aaron Rodgers loses a game. That's my greatest joy in life. But then when the Dallas Cowboys lose, that's my second greatest football joy, football joy, football related joy. So you you said you don't like and I, I'm, I'm putting a word in your mouth. The arrogance of Cowboys fans, right? Yeah. Unearned, ridiculous, meaningless arrogance. Like, it's who- our year. 
every year. It's our year this year. I so I want to say I, I think actually now you're seeing it's kind of sad. The the delusional cowboy fan is kind of dying. This this year I think was like a punch in the gut for Cowboys fans, where they saw their team lose to the 49ers, and and for the first time we're like, oh, this this isn't our year, and. Next year might not be our year either. We'll see come August. They probably will be like, it's our year, right? Like every year is. But I saw a a dramatic disappointment amongst Cowboys fans where for the first time they were saying stuff that felt realistic. And I was like, you, you got really like you're turning on your own team. You're starting to have a realistic worldview. It's kind of interesting. I was like, oh, all right. Cowboys fans are waking up to the idea that Dak Prescott might be overrated and Mike McCarthy isn't really a great coach. And I was like, this is pretty cool to see. Well, the good news is that since it's now been 31 years since they won an away playoff game, a lot of the fans that were alive in the heyday are boomers who were dying every year. So a greater and greater percentage of the really painful Cowboys fans are passing away because they're boomers who probably need to go anyways. So that's at least good news for their fan base. My my One of my best friends in the world, Sean, is a Cowboys fan. And him, like almost every other Cowboys fan, the reason he's a Cowboy fan is because of his dad, right? Have you noticed everyone's a Cowboy fan because their dad was a Cowboy fan? Yep. It's kind of funny, like, it's not because they've been winning recently. And I I want to ask you this. How how long will it take before the Dallas Cowboys become an underdog, right? Like the, the, the Cleveland Browns or the Detroit Lions or the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like, I think they haven't been bad long enough for that to happen because they're in the playoffs. Like, they're actually competitive to some degree. But is there ever a moment where they go from the, the team people believe is going to win to like a legitimate underdog. I think that's like a hilarious idea is the Cowboys. I, I don't think that'll happen. People they're, don't not, believe they're not a bad team. They're just not a good yeah. team. They're a mediocre that- team. <laughs> you know, they're like lukewarm soup. Uh, they're like a bowl of lukewarm soup. That's not really hot and not really flavored that well. It'll keep you alive. It's just not that great. I mean, it's not bad. It's just not good. They're mid. Dak Prescott was outplayed by a rookie seventh round quarterback. Brock Purdy. Think about that for a second. Dak Prescott got outplayed by Brock Purdy in an NFL playoff game. Which one of them is making millions and millions and millions of dollars and which one of them is defying all odds? That That's the, the most damning thing is that he had two interceptions and once again in a big moment, Dak Prescott was underwhelming. And I, I said going into the year, I made a video called literally, I didn't do season predictions this year, I just like did a comment on every quarterback in the NFL. My comment for Dak Prescott was Dak Prescott's mid. He's mediocre. And I remember when they gave him a massive contract, I said, that's a mistake. He's not worth the money you're giving him. And I, again, I think Cowboys fans are starting to acknowledge that and are disappointed in admitting that we might've overpaid Dak Prescott and he might be holding us back. And uh, it's just interesting to me. Not only, not only does it happen that the fans are doing it, Dallas Cowboys official Twitter account set out a tweet that said Dak Prescott gave the ball away twice in the narrow loss to the 49ers in a matchup. The Cowboys had a chance to win if they didn't again generate self-inflicted wounds. Do you know who wrote the article? Cause that went on Cowboys.com, right? Well, that was a, that was a, tw- that was a tweet. So, so someone on the cowboy, someone employed by the Dallas Cowboys wrote that. Yes, the social. It was a social media, the official Dallas Cowboys Twitter account. But what's interesting is they're operating like a news source would, right? Like that. That's that's would be a headline you read on ESPN or Fox Sports. Like, yep. And and I, I think I want to talk about this for a minute because there's with an NFL team, right? You've got 
all these different verticals of the franchise. You've got the media team, you've got the scouting department, you've got the coaching staff, the players. They're all hired by one man, Jerry Jones, who runs the organization. Someone in the media team got a little too honest. And I, I hope he keeps his job, or he, he or she, regardless. Because what they said was right. Like, that's that's an accurate, if you're ESPN or Fox Sports or CBS Sports, that's an accurate headline. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a very true statement. Um with maybe a little too much personality behind it. And I, I just think that's woefully fascinating, right? That someone on the media team, because I, I, you know, I, I know people who work for like the Carolina Panthers on the media team and every team has their own YouTube channel and their own website and they write articles and they're fluff pieces, but they've got commentary and stuff. And someone on the Cowboys uh, media team got a little too honest. And I, I just, I worry for that guy's job and hope he doesn't get scolded or fired because he or she, because I, I love that stuff, man. That, that's that's totally an accurate representation of what legitimately happened this uh, past weekend. I'm looking at the Twitter account right now, and it, that that tweet is still up. Three days ago, the exact <laughs> tweet, it's still up. It is there. Um, Good. Well, hey, then then the, there must be approval from within the building. <laughs> yeah, there has to be. There has to be. Yeah. It's, uh, um, and, you know, I feel sorry for Dak Prescott because he's – He's just not in a situation where he's going to thrive because his contract, if he would paid less money, if he made 10 million less a year, he would, there'd be more money to get better players. Um, but I and think there'd Jer- be less expectations on him. Yeah. And Jerry Jones got him, I think because he's a nice guy. And I think that's the same reason Jerry Jones hired Mike McCarthy is because he's a nice guy and someone that Jerry Jones can control. Um, you know, Jimmy Johnson was someone he couldn't control. And Jimmy Johnson, you know, I, I, I want to read his book, Swagger. His new book came out, Swagger, recently. And I, I wonder if Jimmy Johnson says anything snarky. Uh, he seems like a class act, but you always kind of get the sense he's not a big fan of Jerry Jones. Um, and I think that Jerry Jones would never hire someone like Sean Payton because uh, I think he doesn't want – until he gets desperate, and maybe he's desperate now, and he realizes, you know, like, they're, they're not going to – they're not going to do any better next year. I think they're going to do worse next year because McCartney is just not a good enough coach to get them where they want to go. They're still going to win some games and they'll do fine, but they're not going to, they're not going to have a, a better year next year than this year. I want to humanize Dak Prescott for a moment because I really, I really love him as a person. Like I really, I, him and I have something in common. We've both had a, a brother who died and that's a really painful thing that, that we, we share that sucks. He's, he also lost his mom who died. Um, Dak Prescott's dealt with a lot of uh, a lot of tough stuff in life, and so as a human, I, I think of him and I care about him and I I root for him. I, and as a quarterback, I look at Dak Prescott and go, he's never really had a marquee head coach. He's had Jason Garrett and Mike McCarthy, and it's kind of like I, I wonder with a Sean Payton, with a better dynamic head coach would we get more from Dak Prescott? I think the answer is yes. And that's disappointing because when you think of a player who might have something being left on the table, that that's such a sad thought to me to have a player, I think potentially underachieved because they're not getting enough support on the coaching staff. I know he's got great players around him. He got an incredible defense, but do, do you going to tell me if Mike McCarthy's a dynamic head coach? I don't think so. And that's sad to me to see a player who I think could be doing better underachieve. Uh, and I don't think anyone's going to say that. I'll, I'm critical of Dak Prescott. He makes some boneheaded mistakes that are really frustrating. His first interception against the 49ers was a ball that I was like, why do you throw that? That's a, ter- that's a terrible decision. So I'll criticize him and be honest about him. But I also have to empathize a little bit. He's never had a dynamic head coach. And that, 
I just think he could be better with that. And uh, that's that's an example of Jerry Jones, the decision maker and, and owner of the Dallas Cowboys, holding back his football team. So the Giants went 9-7-1, and one, if I'm not mistaken. What would have happened with the Giants if Dak Prescott had been the quarterback? Do you think they would have won more oh, games? I do. So do I. I like Daniel Jones. I think he's a great kid. I want him to stay. I think Giants are on the right path. However, I think they would have even won more games with Dak Prescott, and Dak Prescott would have performed better under um, Brian Dable. Look at how much better Dak – sorry, Dak Prescott uh, – Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is like the 15th, 16th, 14th best quarterback in the NFL. It's like there's like Derek Carr, Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins. They're all this kind of mediocre, solid starting quarterback, but they're not the best quarterback in the NFL. Kirk Cousins was so much better with Kevin O'Connell this year as a head coach. Yep. I think Dak Prescott could take a similar leap forward if they hired a dynamic head coach. And it's it goes back to what we said about Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. It's a it's ownership and leadership on NFL franchise. Unwilling to take the risks it takes to move forward and take a step forward. And yeah. uh, I do not uh, understand why Jerry Jones is so committed after the game. So he like, oh yeah, I'm still committed to Mike McCarthy. I don't know. I do not understand if he wants to win a Super Bowl. McCarthy is he, he? I'm so glad McCarthy won more playoff games this year than Aaron Rodgers, and he did an amazing thing managing the craziness that is Aaron Rodgers. However, however, he is not going to get you to a Super Bowl. It's just not going to happen. Why he doesn't just, I need to, I need to, I'm going to do everything I can. I don't think Sean Payton would work for him, but like do everything I can to get a coach like him. Like why doesn't he fly his private to Thailand and try and get Cliff Kingsbury? You know, I just, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't know why you don't say, Hey, Mike McDaniel, I'll give you a hundred million dollars to coach the Dallas Cowboys. Well, poach, like, I don't think it's even legal. I don't think you can do that in the NFL, but I like, it's, I, I just, I wonder, man, like, Jerry Jones is I, I think he hired Mike McCarthy because this guy won a Super Bowl once upon a time. It's that that idea of like talking about what you've done a long time ago rather than what you've done recently. And we're seeing it. The Cowboys have hit a ceiling. And I don't know. I it's they're fun to hate on and make fun of, but if I was a cowboy fan, I'd be so infuriated. Like I I, I the hardest, the reason why I struggle to have a favorite team in any sport is because ownership and general managers, just decision makers in general that run a sports franchise, make decisions that I tend to not agree with. When I was a Mariner fan, and I am a Mariner fan because I have to acknowledge when they lose, I'm sad. When they win, I'm happy. But when I was like 11 years old, they traded away a lot of players of that Adrian Beltre, who went to the Houston Astros or uh, Texas Rangers and got way better. That Raul Abanez went to the Philadelphia Phillies and looked incredible. And they made all these moves. They traded away Adam Jones, who's like a Hall of Fame center fielder for Eric Bedard, a pitcher who sucked and was a total disappointment. And I was 11 years old going, these are not good decisions. Why am I emotionally invested in this team that lets me down over and over and over again? If I was a Cowboy fan, I'd be like, why did we give Ezekiel Elliott a massive contract? Why did we hire Mike McCarthy and refuse to fire him? Why did we give Dak Prescott a massive contract and overpay him? I would be so frustrated with the decision-making in Dallas. And I know you can't turn off fandom. I get it. But I would be, there'd be a lot of dissension in the Cowboys fan base if I was a part of it. I'd be like talking all this smack and 
calling out everybody and demanding people to be fired. And I'm like, you asked me to spend my money and buy jerseys and tickets and go to games and emotionally invest in your franchise. And you're giving me nothing in return. I'd be so, I'd be, I'd be furious as a Cowboy fan. So 49ers, they won. They did. Um, The 49ers, I, I just go back to like, they're so, they're loaded everywhere. Their their head coach, sorry, their general manager John Lynch has done an incredible job. Like, the, I think the two best rosters in football are the 49ers roster and the Philadelphia Eagles roster. the The 49ers are so good; they've had three starting quarterbacks this year, and they're a game away from the Super Bowl. And by the way, the third guy they played is it's better. And I so they're a great team with a dynamic head coach and an awesome GM. But the dominating story that I just can't stop, it's the only thing I can really focus on. It sucks all the oxygen out of the room when it comes to the 49ers. I have a hard time focusing on all the stuff they do well. Like I have a a high school teammate playing for the 49ers, and I almost don't even care because I'm so distracted by their quarterback, Brock Purdy. And that's the story, man, is that Brock Purdy has not only exceeded all expectations, but it's, you know, I how do I how do I even put this? Um I'm going to say something that's a bit out of line, okay? We saw in 2020 with the Rona, a lot of people lose faith in um, systems of government, maybe is the best way to put that. Like a lot of people, I think uh, trust is at an all-time low in, in systems of bureaucracy. I think trust in analysts evaluating college quarterbacks is also at an all-time low. I would compare Brock Purdy and what's happened with trust in people like Mel Kuyper and anyone evaluating quarterbacks in the NFL draft to what happened with healthcare and coronavirus. Like people are just like, I don't, I don't, I don't trust anybody now to see a guy like Brock Purdy come out of nowhere and break every expectation. People are like, who am I, what am I supposed to trust now? I don't know what to do. How, you, anybody who tells me anything now about a quarterback in the NFL draft process, I'm like, well, you didn't see Brock Purdy who's maybe the best rookie quarterback this year. So how can I, how can I believe you when you talk about Anthony Richardson or Bryce Young, or I saw today Mel Kuyper Jr. Put Will Levis, the Kentucky quarterback as his number one quarterback ahead of CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. I'm like, time out. What did this guy have to say about Brock Purdy? Nothing. I didn't see Brock Purdy coming out of nowhere. So I just, I just want to acknowledge that like, I think fans are, are burned out and don't trust the draft process and these experts anymore. Uh, and I've even, at one point, I used to consider myself one, and through my losses and lessons, I, I don't even engage in that conversation anymore. And I, I just am not only is it fun to see Brock Purdy succeed and do well, he's enjoying it and dominating and making plays. And he's been called like a system quarterback, and people say, you know, he's he's only winning because he got Kyle Shanahan and a great team around him, and that's probably true. Like, but Trey but, Lance had that same system. Y- yeah. So let Trey. So uh, maybe back up. He's he's definitely benefiting from an awesome head coach, and he fell into the best situation you could possibly fall into. But the dude is making plays. He had a play where he threw back across the field to George Kittle, and George Kittle makes this crazy catch, and you're like, "That's not in the playbook. That's not planned. That's Brock Purdy being a gamer and making something happen." He's now creating. And, he's gone from following a good system in the plays to creating offense for them. That's that's yes! the step he's taken. And that's something that step Trey Lance did not take. Dude, he's comfortable. Like He's not. You hear him talk about LeBron James. LeBron James said, like, this guy can ball or something like that on Twitter. And Brock Purdy was like, 
LeBron said that? That's pretty cool. But he, he was even keel. And it's it's not just that he's playing well. It's I'm impressed with how comfortable Brock Purdy is in the moment. He just is so it's it's poise and it's peace. And I think it's really cool when anyone gets an opportunity and they're prepared and they can enjoy the moment and not be stressed out by it. And I'll tell you what, I don't know if the 49ers are going to beat Philadelphia this weekend in the NFC title game. But I would be shocked if Brock Purdy just fell apart as a quarterback. He may not win, but he's going to be comfortable and enjoy the moment and, you know, give the crowd, pump him up a couple times and beat his chest. And just, he's going to be in that moment and really thrive and enjoy the environment. And that's so cool to see from a rookie quarterback who came out of nowhere. So I do want to mention Samson. Um, it was so cool for me when, so you went to high school with him. You played on a high school football team with him. He rode around in my ugly blue minivan, um, and he blocked a point after. That was just so amazing. And he used to be on the Rams, and then he went, they are having a crappy year, and now he's on the 49ers having a great year. Yeah, I got a lot to say, man. First of all, it's really cool to see. Uh, Samson's a guy who played at Eastern Washington University. Played with Cooper Cup, actually. So he he was drafted in the same year Cooper Cup was by the Rams and came out of nowhere and surprised a lot of people. It's cool to see a small school player who I think probably should have played at like Oregon or Oregon State or a Pac-12 school play for years in the NFL and dominate. What's cool, man, is he he really, um, to go from the Rams to the 49ers, you know, such a great football team. And he kind of leapt off at the right moment and peaked at the Rams and then peaked at the 49ers. Pretty cool to see that. I want to say I, I've never... Um, I've never tried to leverage um, any uh, amount of um, relationship I've had with Samson before on the show. I, and I, I never will. I He's a player in the NFL. And I know when you're a player in the NFL, a lot of people reach out to you, want to talk to you and they want stuff from you. And I try to not be that guy. I, I don't, I don't want anything from Samson. I don't, I just, I hope that's, I, I've never, that's why I always underplay actually like my relationship with him, the fact that I know him. Cause I just don't want to come across as a guy who's like, look at, I don't want to make it about me. It's cool to see his career and I'm, I'm really proud of him and I'm happy for him. Um, and you know, I, I think when it's all said and done, I, maybe we'll connect after his playing career. I just never want to be the guy that's like, look at me. I've got this connection to this guy. I just try not to, I try to downplay all that. Cause I just know there are people out there that really reach out to any young player when they get to the NFL and are all over him and it want connections and money and stuff. And I just, I don't want anything from Samson. I just love seeing him succeed and do well. Well, I'm the one that brought it up and I'm just a happy fan and a happy dad. He's an amazing young man. He played with you. I liked him then. I like him now. It made me smile to see him have a really important play. And I just, I'm just approaching like just a happy fan. It just, how cool this great young man. Oh, I think it's a natural thing to talk about. Like, you know, if uh, any, if, any podcast host played in high school with someone they're talking about and talking about their team in the playoffs. Like you get to, you, you want to acknowledge it naturally. I just, I've always made a point. Like I always kind of downplay that. And I, I just think it's cool, man. I, I remember watching him go back and watch that legendary Monday night football game between the Rams and the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, Jared Goff. He had two defensive touchdowns in that football game. Like he's an incredible football player. And just like, I, I don't know, man. I, I love watching a guy that um, used to come to our house for breakfast, like dominate the NFL. I just, like I said, I never want to leverage that relationship. Like I, but, I just I, root for I, him from afar. I appreciate that. But I brought it up. It made me smile. And I'll be so happy for him if he gets to the Super Bowl. That just make me happy. Oh, hell yeah, man. I'd love to see him win one. That'd be incredible. Okay. Chiefs Jaguars. 
Um, we got to start with the Jaguars because the Jaguars made it interesting. You know, they they lost by seven points. I I had no expectations for the Jaguars going into this football game. I didn't think they were going to win. And there's nothing to be ashamed of losing to Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs in a playoff game. Like, I, from my perspective, they the Giants and the Jaguars were in similar positions this weekend. The Giants got obliterated. And I was like, I still walked away like, ah, I'm just glad they were there. The Jaguars, I was just glad they were there. And they actually made it interesting and put up a fight and lost by seven. That's pretty cool. And I would say this loss in this year, really this season for the Jaguars, is the beginning of their domination of the AFC South. Similar to the way that Tom Brady and the Patriots dominated the AFC East for years. You look around the AFC South, Houston, Indy's a disaster. Tennessee's got kind of a mess going on. The Jaguars are on, it's the beginning of them winning the division, I think, for years and years to come with Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence. And I just walk away with nothing but respect and happiness for what the Jaguars accomplished this year. And losing the way they did on the road to Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, uh, a team that's potentially going to win the Super Bowl this year, no, no shame in that. Did you walk away feeling just like a sense of, Hey man, it, I'm surprised and pleasantly surprised they made it interesting against Kansas City. Yeah, I, I'm excited. I'm not surprised. I loved uh, Trevor Lawrence had great presence in his press conference afterwards. He was sad, but hey, we're building something. We're good. We're all for it. We're moving ahead. Um, yeah, I think they're going to do just great in the future, and I look forward to seeing seeing them continue to move on. I'm so glad he has a great coach. Um, I, yeah, I just felt good about all of it. Is Doug Peterson? I don't know that he's coach of the year, but you look around the NFL, I think like Doug Peterson, Kevin O'Connell, Kyle Shanahan with the 49ers. Like it's pretty hard to take your team to the cusp of a Super Bowl of three different starting quarterbacks throughout the year. Brian Dable maybe is in the conversation. Those are like the four coaches I think of and I think a coach of the year. And I just, I, again, I don't know that Doug Peterson is the best coach of the year and, and did the most impressive coaching job this year. But you look at where the Jaguars were this exact time a year ago, like it's night and day, totally different organization. I mean, they, I know they brought in some new players and built around Trevor Lawrence, but the, it's what he's built there and the confidence. And I actually also, I really love the relationship between Trevor Lawrence and Carson Wentz. Doug Peterson's a former NFL quarterback and Doug Peterson had kind of a, after what happened with Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz getting hurt. They won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. I always thought that Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson were going to have a long career working together. And when I think what happened was Carson Wentz confidence just went in the toilet and it's hard to work with a guy who doesn't believe in himself. And then Jalen Hurts was behind Carson Wentz really pushing and, and Doug Peterson ended up, you know, starting Jalen Hurts instead of Carson Wentz, that relationship fell apart. But Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson can be what I thought Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson were going to be, where they're going to work together for the next 10 to 15 years and win a lot of games and have a lot of fun and, I just I think there couldn't be a better person to work with Trevor Lawrence, given the fact that Doug played quarterback in the NFL and has a lot of offensive experience. I just I think it's a match made in heaven. These two player, you know, these two people coaching quarterback. Yeah, I think they're going to do absolutely fantastic. I feel good about them. Um, all right, now the Chiefs. Um, I just so incredible to hear over and over again. Uh, Mahomes to Kelsey. Mahomes to Kelsey. Mahomes to Kelsey. Uh, <laughs> Travis Kelsey got twenty five percent of their passes. And uh, 98 yeah. yards, two touchdowns, 14 catches. And I, it's not in front of me written down. I just know that I, I, I just, it's like ingrained in my memory. Cause he just, 
the Jaguars had no answer to stop Travis Kelsey. And I almost, I almost felt bad for them because it's like, did you guys not have a plan or like what's happening here? Right. Um, so that was interesting to me though, the story of this game, like if there's, if there's one thing to focus on from the Jaguars, Kansas city, uh, football game, playoff game, it's that Patrick Mahomes got hurt. He's got a high ankle sprain. And I'm just really curious how it impacts his play next week, because, um, I, I, I think he's an incredible quarterback, but he just lost a, Massive dynamic of his game. Part of what Patrick Mahomes is incredible from the pocket. He makes, it's just got an incredible ability to throw the football, but his ability to extend plays and ad lib and keep a play alive and make stuff happen outside of structure is a big element of his game. It's like, it's like if there's a, a piece of the pie, it's a, it's a big piece and maybe a couple pieces of the pie that makes up what is great about Patrick Mahomes. And for him to be a, a bit hamstrung and not have, uh, him playing at full potential is concerning for next weekend. So I think if there's one thing you're going to focus on from this game, it's that Patrick Mahomes got hurt and that leads to a lot of uncertainty moving forward. So here's what blew my mind. Okay. And comes in, goes 98 yards and scores a touchdown. Um, if Patrick Mahomes is at 70%, are they better off with hundred percent Chad Henney or 60 or 70% Patrick Mahomes? I know that sounds blasphemy and insane to ask, no, I, so I, I'm not going to criticize you. I, I like that you asked that question, okay? I think it's a reasonable question, but here's why. It, I think just it's cool to explain why Patrick Mahomes uh, is a better option, even at 70% than Chad Henney. Neither Chad Henney or Patrick Mahomes currently are mobile quarterbacks. Chad Henney's not going to run around and extend plays, and because of an injury, neither is Patrick Mahomes. And so if you're going to have one guy stuck in the pocket, would you rather have – Chad Henney or Patrick Mahomes, the obvious easy answer is Patrick Mahomes. And so um, if there was something that Ryan, that Chad Henney brought to the table that was better than an, a, a, you know, a, I don't want to say crippled, but a, a Patrick Mahomes, you can't run around. I, I would maybe oh, say, one yes. Leg, one leg yeah. Patrick, Patrick, Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes on one leg. You can't run around is still better than Chad Henney because there's nothing that Chad Henney does that's better than Patrick Mahomes. There's, there's no angle here where you're like, well, he can't do this, but he can't do, there's nothing you can say that about. There's nothing that you benefit from playing Chad Henney. Uh, but how, how cool is it, man? I think I, I, how old is the guy? Like 37 years old. I forgot that Chad Henney was still in the NFL. Like I, I literally, I think I knew that in my head. Like I, I've got a kind of a good feel for who is in the NFL and I, I follow the rosters pretty closely, but I, I just like, I didn't remember that he, he was Chad Henney is, 37 years old drafted in 2008 like the guy's been in the league forever and he's still around and it's cool to see a guy you know in that moment he only threw for 23 yards five for seven 23 yards and a touchdown really only one drive and on a drive you go 98 yards and your quarterback only throws for 23 yards on that drive you're not exactly being led by your quarterback there but it's cool to see a guy you know come off the bench and play really well and Travis Kelsey had nothing but good stuff to say about. If you want to have fun, go look up Travis Kelsey sound bites, Chad Henney, that, that Google's or that YouTube search. will get you some fun content. And uh, I don't know. It's cool, man. I really, I really think it's a fun story, but again, I, there's no benefit to playing Chad Henney over Patrick Mahomes. What if Chad, what if Patrick, so I think there might be, I, I, I know this is crazy. You're crazy. Here, yep. So and <laughs> bring on the haters in the comments, man. I still haven't got any hateful comments. Come on now. But, um, what if Patrick Holmes, A, he's playing hurt, and what if his pain dulls his his ability to mentally do what he needs to do? 
And then will the team play? They're going to play like they're playing call plays and act like it's hundred percent Patrick Mahomes, but really they need to adjust to a 60% Patrick Mahomes. Whereas if it's Chad Henney, they are going to play different and definitely call different plays because they know the guy is not as good. They mm. know that they have to adjust. These are all reasonable questions, but we saw Patrick Mahomes come back in the second half and have success. Uh, and so like, he, you know, they had a, a 75 yard touchdown drive in the fourth quarter with a injured Patrick Mahomes. They, I, I just, I don't, I don't see a team that isn't going to be able to move the football or something with Patrick Mahomes. If they lose, no one's going to say, and, and not just no one's going to say, but no one's going to believe. And I won't believe. Man, they should have played Chad Henney. That would have been the difference in the football game. I just, it's because it's just not true. Like, I, I think everything you're saying is, is actually the reasonable questions to ask for like a thought experiment. Yep. But like, it just, it's just not, and so just it's not clear, true. I would start Patrick Mahomes and I would play him, but I would probably have a short hook because if he, what if he has just a horrible first half and they're down by two touchdowns and he hasn't been able to do anything? Then what? Well, I, I still would say, who who is more likely to catch fire, okay. Patrick Mahomes or Chad Henney? You know, like you 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 live and die. That's the guy you're paid what a five hundred million dollar contract. Like you're just not. There's just no reasonable world where you're going to take Patrick Mahomes out. And, and and in fact, there's two things I want to say here. First of all, like you got to believe that the guy who can get you out of trouble if you're in trouble is is even still Patrick Mahomes even with an injury. But also, you said like, what if the team can't adjust to Mahomes' injury? I think that is a is a a little bit of an you're under underestimating Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy and the offensive minds in Kansas City. You think Andy Reid can't assess what he's got and make adjustments? Like I, Andy Reid's a genius. Yeah. So like no. So like I, I actually I, I hope you don't get any hate for asking these questions. It's it should be a safe place to ask questions, and I think they're reasonable questions to ask. But I think the answers to all of them is you're better off playing Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid's going to find a way. Well, I would have played Patrick Mahomes, period. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I wanted to hear your thoughts on it because you're my well, favorite sports commentator. And these, are things that, these are things that are going to be asked in comment sections and in on Twitter and fan, fans are wondering these things. So I, I think that's, that's a benefit you bring to the show is you, you bring the perspective of what a, a fan might think um, and wonder. And I, I, do you want to talk, just move on to next week and talk about the games next weekend? I want to say that for the end, because to me, that's like the candy. That's the best okay. part. That's, that's the, the end of the show. Yeah, okay. the end of the show. So what, you got two other things, is that right? Well, yeah. Do you have any more to say about Casey and Jacksonville? No, I think I covered it. Yeah, I think, I think so too. Um, I I have seen, so I, I, the other day, was in San Luis Obispo, California. A man named Steven messaged me, said, hey, I've been a subscriber here for like four years. I love your show. I'm a big fan of you. Do you want to get lunch? So we had lunch. He's a Raiders fan. Steven really believes that Tom Brady is going to go be the quarterback of his football team, the Las Vegas Raiders. He's a, I'm actually in Vegas right now. He's a huge Raider fan. Steven, a Raiders fan, believes they're going to get Tom Brady. And I was like, what is that? Do people believe that? And then I started seeing not only Steven believes that, but other people believe that. Not, not you, Steven, but Steven, the Raider fan. And I started seeing posts on social media and uh, a, a, a conversation happening that there's a belief that Tom Brady is going to go be the Raiders quarterback next year. I understand why people reach that conclusion. The Raiders got rid of Derek Carr. They need a quarterback. 
and their head coach is Josh McDaniels, who worked with Tom Brady for years and years and years. So I understand why people would believe Tom Brady might go to the Raiders, but I don't agree at all. I think he's considering it the same way you consider moving to, you know, someone says, you want to buy a house in Iowa? It's like $30,000. You consider it because it's a good deal, but you don't do it because it's Iowa and it's negative 37 degrees and flat as hell in the winter. I, so I, I, I'm sure he's considering it because you have to consider every option. And it is Josh McDaniels, he knows. But I ask you this, what does Tom Brady benefit by going to the Raiders other than having a place to play? They're not going to win a Super Bowl, Tom Brady. So why would he go there? Do you think I'm crazy? Do you think Tom Brady would actually go to the Raiders? No, no, no chance in hell. No, it's no. not going to happen. In I, fact, I think that um, uh, coach of the Raiders is um, Josh McDaniel. Josh McDaniel. I think I, my personal guess, based on you know my inside sources, um, is that he wants Garoppolo. <laughs> oh, he, see that. He, he that obviously he ditched Derek Carr for some reason. He kicked Derek Carr to the curb. For some reason, I like Derek Carr. I wouldn't have done that. I think Derek Carr had a good future ahead of him. I think that was a foolish choice of his. However, he's got his eyeball on someone that he thinks he could get. Mm. He's, he's not an idiot. He's a there's smart thought coach. Pro- there's, there's, there's thought behind it. It's his story makes sense to him. And, and, it's yeah. not a, and he's not a dumb man. And he's a good offensive coach. So um, I think that he wants Garoppolo. Yeah, who who's the everyone's talking about the quarterback Josh McDaniel used to work. Josh McDaniel's got an S on it. Everyone's talking about the quarterback Josh McDaniels used to work with, and they're pointing at the wrong one. They're pointing at Tom Brady when they should be pointing at Jimmy Garoppolo. That's my and analysis. That, that makes that actually fires me up because that makes sense. I could see I could see Jimmy Garoppolo in the silver and black. I think it's a good deal where the Raiders would get a cheaper, more cost-effective uh contract at quarterback than Derek Carr currently offers. And I, like I said, I from the Raiders' perspective, it makes sense to bring in Tom Brady because you have a need at quarterback. I, I, I guess, right? He's older, but whatever. And he but sells from, tickets. Yeah, but from Tom Brady's perspective, what does Tom Brady get out of it? You go to the Raiders who aren't in a position to compete for a Super Bowl. The only reason why Tom Brady would go to the Raiders is if no one else wants him, right? Like if, if let's say, the Saints don't want him, Miami doesn't want him, the Jets don't want him. If you go down the list and there's nobody who's in a position to win sooner who wants Tom Brady, he's like, okay, no one wants me, but I don't want to retire. I want to keep playing football and pad my stats and and maybe playing somewhere. It's got I got a better shot at winning a Super Bowl by playing than I do from sitting on my couch. So I'll go to the Raiders. But the Raiders are, are, are not anywhere near his first option. Nope. And they're a backup plan, not not it, not his plan. And the Jets are going to get Rodgers if they get anybody. I think Can we talk Rogers about that? is more likely to the Jets than Brady to the Jets. Hmm. Personally. Yeah. You know, for, can we, first of all, where do you think Tom Brady could go? Where do you, uh, we talked about this last week, but I think Miami, in, Miami, in the, uh, Miami first, uh, and then saints number two. Now, is it more likely Tom Brady goes back to new England or goes to the Raiders? Raiders. What if there was a trade Mac Jones to the Raiders and then Tom Brady goes to new England? <laughs> I, I know Steven, the Raiders fan, doesn't want Mac Jones. I asked him that question. It was a hilarious conversation. But I, I don't know. It's, inter- it's going to be an interesting quarterback carousel this offseason. And I'm curious where Tom Brady's going to go. Now, go ahead. I would not be shocked if he went to back to the Patriots and it would be a swan song and say goodbye. And the Patriots fans would be out of their minds. And he's the only person that can stand up to um, Bill Belichick and say, hell no, I'm not doing that play and get away with it. Um, 
I just don't think he wants to do that. I just, I just think he's done. And what does Bill Belichick get out of it? Because the narrative about Bill Belichick that I would imagine he despises is you can't win without Tom Brady. You bring back Tom Brady, even if you win, you still lose because the narrative remains that you can't win unless you have Tom Brady. Yeah. And I, I think that matter. I think at this point, you won six Super Bowls. I think that does matter to Bill Belichick currently. If you want yeah. to prove you can do it without Tom Brady. I think little things like that, when you're this deep into your career, you want as much as you have, you, you set new goals and find new ways to motivate yourself. And one of the things I think that currently motivates Bill Belichick is I want to win one without Tom Brady. The same way that Sean McVay, you know, this year with the, the Las Vegas Rams, they had a bad year. They've got no quarterback. When he had a reason to get excited, they brought in Baker Mayfield. They, like breath, it brought new life to Sean McVay. He had something he was interested again in football. Um, so now, I, go ahead. Of the, of, you know, the crazy place, and I don't know if I said this last week, and I thought I would love to see Tom Brady go to is the Packers. <laughs> send Aaron Rodgers to the Jets and send Brady to the Packers. That would be fun. That would be fun. You know who I think would play well? I think I think Derek Carr, Seattle's like an incredible, awesome opportunity. Like he fits uh, Pete Carroll. Yeah, I think that'd but be great together. Pete Carroll and Tom Brady would be pretty fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> I, I think I think it'd be interesting. I don't know if Pete Carroll's buttoned up enough for Tom Brady. But this is a new Tom Brady. This is Florida man. This is Tom Brady. Literally, his shirt is unbuttoned because it's in Florida and it's hot. Like it's literally unbuttoned Tom Brady. So I, I think it I think it does work. I think it's fun. I, I don't know. I there's a lot of options. It'll be a, a fun quarterback carousel this offseason. Let's talk about something you brought up. Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. There's a couple reasons why I like this. Number one, it's it's um consistency. Brett Favre left Green Bay to go to the Jets. Aaron Rodgers might leave Green Bay to go to the Jets. That's a hilarious coincidence that I love. I think they also both spent 16 years in Green Bay, which is like the parallels are it's like, is someone writing this script or what's happening here? But also I, I think Zach Wilson, who is the Jets young quarterback is not hopeless. A lot of people have given up on him, say he's, he's doo doo and terrible and can't win ever again. I, I hate that attitude. I don't think you give up on a young player that quickly. And he's certainly not been good. We'll do a film analysis this off season and talk about it. But um, I, I will say like, I, cause I, I, I know some people that know Zach Wilson, like when Zach Wilson was doing the draft process and leaving BYU to go to the NFL, I had friends who played with him at BYU telling me about Zach Wilson saying like, this dude loves football. He's, he's obsessed. It's all he does. Like it's, it's, it's real. Like he really does love football. Say what you want about Zach Wilson. It's his passion. It's like he lives and breathes football and his favorite quarterback to watch on film was Aaron Rodgers. And I, I love, can you imagine Zach Wilson getting the opportunity? You don't like Aaron Rodgers for like personal reasons about how he carries himself. But I think for the development of Zach Wilson to have Zach Wilson sit behind Aaron Rodgers for a year or two and learn and grow and get advice. And I think at this point in Aaron Rodgers career, he knows he's better than Zach Wilson. He's not threatened by Zach Wilson. But I could see him the same way when they had a joint practice earlier this year. It was a, either a preseason game or a joint practice. Aaron and Zach Wilson were like sharing details. And Aaron was openly helping Zach Wilson make progress and get better as a quarterback by sharing wisdom and secrets. I think two years of sitting behind Aaron Rodgers, getting wisdom and secrets and observing his process, which Zach Wilson was the day one starter in the Jets after he was drafted. He never, he had, so he had Joe Flacco as his mentor. Okay, is that really that great? 
I think for him to sit behind Aaron, who whether you like him or not, you have to acknowledge he does a lot of stuff right at the quarterback position when it comes to decision-making and throwing the football. I think that for the long-term future of the Jets, they're ready to win. Aaron's better than what they got, and Aaron gives them a, a shot at the playoffs for sure. And it also could salvage Zach Wilson's career, get, letting him sit behind Aaron Rodgers and learn. What do you have to say to all that? Well, my sources have told me that uh, what I've heard is that when it comes to Zach Wilson, he loves football almost as much as Kyler Murray loves Call of Duty. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what. It's it's really bizarre, actually, when you look at the numbers. Like, I know it's a tangent, but when you look at Kyler Murray, like his stats, and then line them up with Call of Duty XP weekends, it's like the 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 weekends that are big in the Call of Duty world he plays bad it's it's like hilarious it's very weird if you ever want to go down a rabbit hole look at that um so thanks for being 22 years old and giving us like a little pithy fun <laughs> college comment i appreciate that um now what what i don't want you to say next is i don't want you to hate on Aaron Rodgers i want you to put on your objectivity hat i know it's hard for you but do you do you think Zach Wilson benefits from sitting behind Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, I think learning to glare at other players and yell God, at your it. teammates is no. and to yell at the defense is no. such a great skill. No, no. Okay, now let's move on. <laughs> okay, and uh, uh, there's a guy named Bill. You're afraid of about? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't believe you did that, man. <laughs> oh man. At least you're consistent, right? I know what to expect from you now. If you ever want Stephen Schaumann to say anything positive about Aaron Rodgers, you're going to be waiting for a long, long, long time. I just hope he stays at the Packers so they can miss the playoffs yet again. That would be so wonderful. Because <laughs> the Detroit is going to going to win this year. I do. I do think the Lions are poised to win the division next year in the a, in the NFC North. Hey, what if what if Aaron Rodgers makes a playoffs with the Jets and wins a playoff game? What are you going? How are you going to react to that? How are you going to feel? What are you going to do? I think that would be fine. That'd be great. I, I would you be happy for Jets fans at least? Yo, for sure. Yes, I always yeah. feel bad for fans. I mean, except maybe the Cowboys fans, but otherwise, I feel bad for fans. I want fans, and even though I don't feel bad for Cowboys fans, I feel bad for Dak Wilson. I feel bad for Jerry Jones. I, I do have a heart. Dak Prescott, yeah. I mean, Dak um, Prescott, so yeah. For a long time, there's been a conversation I've been having, which is that the Patriots are a mess on offense and they just need an offensive coordinator. Finally, they made a move. They hired Bill O'Brien, uh, who was Bill O'Brien was the Patriots offensive coordinator for a while. Then, uh, you know, they, they, he did well with Tom Brady. He went to Penn state to be the head coach. Then he went to Houston, to be the head coach. Then he got fired by Houston and that was not great, but he's been at Alabama recently working with Nick Saban and Bryce young. Now, um, Bill O'Brien is back with the Patriots. I think Bill O'Brien is a, a, very good offensive coordinator. Um, he may not be, have been a great head coach, but he, he's good at designing offense and worked well with Tom Brady. I, I like this move. I think it's an upgrade for the Patriots to get finally a, a legitimate offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien. And it makes me wonder, I've, a lot, I've got a lot of questions because last offseason, the Patriots didn't have an offensive coordinator and they made this weird move when they were like waffling back and forth between Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. And they never actually named an official offensive coordinator all year. They had, you know, Bill, Pat Patricia was the play caller, but not, not the, you know, his de facto offensive coordinator, but not, not OC and title. I, I have to wonder, was there, were there conversations behind the scenes between Bill O'Brien and Bill Belichick last offseason? I would imagine so. When they need an offensive coordinator, 
And I wonder if Bill O'Brien stayed in college at Alabama to keep working with Bryce Young, this lovely, awesome quarterback that they had. Um, and it's it's a good leaping off point where I, I think Bill O'Brien worked well with Nick Saban. I think they liked each other, but you lost your quarterback and now you got a new job opportunity with a coach you worked for before, you know, Bill Belichick. It's interesting given the relationship between Bill Belichick and Nick Saban, they've got this coach that it's kind of going back and forth between them. It's really interesting to me. Uh, do you think Bill O'Brien's an upgrade for the Patriots and uh, how do you feel about it all? No, I just think they were much better off having um, a, a barely adequate defensive coordinator like Matt, uh, Mike, uh, Patricia. What's his first name? Uh, uh, by him. <laughs> the, the almost British sarcasm. No, I think the I think the Patriots were actually better off with a defensive coordinator running their offense. <laughs> a guy who wasn't even that great, by Matt the way. Patricia, Matt Patricia, just say it out loud. Just say it out loud. They had a defensive coordinator. Not being the offensive coordinator, uh, yeah, they picked... wouldn't even they wouldn't even give him a title. Actually, <laughs> yeah, just say it out loud. It's 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 it, it's insanity. Yes, of course they're better off having an offensive coordinator this year instead of a defensive coordinator run the offense. So now they're better off. Yes, but do you feel good about Bill O'Brien? Because I th- I think head coach and offensive coordinator are a different skill set completely, and you can be a, a good offensive coordinator and a bad head coach. We saw Pat Shermer was an awesome offensive coordinator with the Vikings and a terrible head coach for the Giants. So uh, Bill O'Brien didn't work as a Texans head coach, but I think he can run the offense. Yeah, I like quarterbacks. I want quarterbacks to succeed, most of them. Um, and therefore, I'm very happy for Matt Jones, Mac Jones, because Mac Jones now has an actual defensive coordinator. And this is third in three years. But at least now he had this year, he actually has one. Last year, he didn't even have one. That was ridiculous. So Mac Jones got a better offensive coordinator. You know, it's also worth mentioning that the skill he set. Got one. He didn't have one last year. <laughs> well, the skill set between Mac Jones and Tom Brady is a lot of parallels between their ability and, you know, they can't run. They got to win in a, a similar style. Bill O'Brien worked well with Tom Brady. And so I would imagine, given that they've got a similar skill set, Tom Brady and Mac Jones. Um, he's going to work well with Mac Jones as well. So it's just, I think you're putting Mac Jones in a much better position to succeed than he's been in recently. Yeah. And uh, if I was Mac Jones, I would be very tempted to say, I'm not playing for you this year. I'd be very tempted to say I'm out. Mac Jones out. Yeah. I mean, they, they might've think of the, the, so after, after his rookie year, Mac Jones, the common belief was this guy's a franchise quarterback. He led him to a playoff game. And he's going to get better. It was the belief, right? There was positive outlook about Mac Jones. Then he goes through a whole year of Bill Belichick, not naming an offensive coordinator, giving him this, not even giving him an offensive coordinator. I'd be like, dude, you sabotaged my career. I, I would totally understand if that's how Mac Jones feels. Um, he's not going to do anything like that. He's not going to ruffle feathers and say, I'm not going to play for you. He, I think he's just really happy to have Bill Bryan. But I, I would imagine when... Mac Jones talks to his family behind closed doors about this last year. He's like, I got totally screwed. It was unfair all year. I got, I was put in a, a bad situation all year. I'd be, I would be frustrated. I just don't think he's ever going to say that publicly. Yeah. I'm old now and I don't really want to put up with nonsense BS. So <laughs> I, I, if I was his dad, I'd be like, why are you staying? Just tell him you're done. Have your agent say you want to be traded and you're done. They're, they're, they're not going to win. They're not going to get any better. Belichick's done. They don't respect you. Go somewhere you're wanted and appreciated. And you can't win with the fan base. Why not? Why not say, I'm out. I'm out. I'm not showing up for training camp. I'm done. Trade me. 
I want to succeed in football. I don't, I don't, I don't understand why he wouldn't do that. I see no reason why he wouldn't. I, I know exactly why. So that that's a move you could have made in August 2022. August 2022, they're like, hey, you know this guy who was a defensive coordinator and was a bad head coach of the Lions? He's gonna be calling plays for you now. That's that's when because that's when his value is at a high where he had leverage to say, uh, I'm I'm not doing that. You you want wait. You want, you want what now? You're, you're putting me in what situation? And you want me to try to win and succeed? That's a terrible thing for my career. But now, because the the way he's viewed has changed, he doesn't have any leverage. So but, now, but now, now all Mac Jones can try to do is r- r- save his career and hope Bill O'Brien helps him succeed. That's so all, you that's, think no team would want it? <sighs> Fair enough. No, I mean, you're right. But but okay, who would want him though? And And the teams that you can name are not good teams. And if you're telling me that it's better for Mac Jones to go to, I don't know, who's a really terrible football team that needs a quarterback? The Colts. Is it better for Mac Jones to go to the Colts or New England? Depends who the Colts quarterback's going to be. I mean, uh, a head coach. Depends who the Colts head coach is going to be. Yeah. Y- you think there's... I, I, okay, okay. Fa- fair enough. If they hire Sean Payton in Indy, Mac Jones is going to succeed there, but I don't think they're going to hire. I think they're going to hire Jeff Saturday or something. I just, you're right. You're right. But there's very, it's it's a small amount of opportunities for Mac Jones that are available to him that are actually better than new England. So you think that he, it's it's circumstantial stay, improve his stock because he's going to play at least better this next year than last year. And then he still has what it's a four or five year rookie contract that he has where he can escape. Four years with a fifth-year option the team can exercise that you can say you don't want. So he's got at least two more years in New England. But I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna do okay. I think he's actually gonna. I I believe Mac Jones is gonna raise his stock next year playing for Bill O'Brien. I really and, believe that. And, and the report you heard is that the the players loved it. The Who? players were not happy with the um, uh, what is it Bailey Zippy Bailey Zappy with the Bailey Zappy era. The players loved Mac Jones. Yeah. So that's and the, the reports. If they're the players great. support Mac Jones, and I believe that. Yep. Bailey Zappi was um, running a really simplified offense and not – if I'm a receiver, I would have been very unsatisfied. And so I think the players can recognize, hey, Mac Jones is our guy. He's the right one for us. I just think Mac Jones is the best position he's going to get all year and the best offer I guess he's going to have unless the Colts hire Sean Payton, which they're not. The Colts aren't going to hire an incredible – competent head coach that's not going to happen I, I i love that but look at me dad they're not the colts aren't going to hire an impressive dynamic head coach they're just not going to they're probably going to keep jeff saturday so there's not a realistic option out there that's better for mac jones than staying in new england and gutting it out and making the best you can with a head with an offensive coordinator bill o'brien i think it's going to put you in a position to succeed so if I was Mac Jones, that'd be like, so you screwed. So we have to really help see you maybe succeed in three years. Wow. That's just discouraging to me. I, t- I totally agree. Okay. But again, I think you're, I think if you're Mac Jones, you're mad about what just happened to you. And now you're trying to recover. Yeah. And it sucks. You, you got screwed. And I think if, if internally he holds a bit of a grudge towards what happened to him, totally justified. Well, to me, it wouldn't be a grudge. It'd be the reality that the same idiots that screwed me are still running the ship. Yeah, it's the same dum dums, same dum dums well, are in charge. So let let's talk about this for a second. Then does does twenty twenty two this year with Matt Patricia 
calling your plays and running your offense. I, I think it hurts Bill Belichick's legacy. When it happened, when it happened, I was like, okay, it's, it's Bill Belichick. If anyone is going to do something crazy like this and succeed, it's Bill Belichick. But it, it didn't succeed. Okay, So, so I lost, Bill Belichick lost my lost a little bit of respect for me. So here's what I do is Mac Jones' dad. I would be hoping that, that next year is Belichick's last year and Mac Jones outlasts him. Totally. And I think that's, that's very reasonable. I think that, I think that, in fact, I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Okay. Um, Eagles 49ers. Yeah. Let's talk about next weekend, man. Um, I don't have, I'm, I'm really glad you're here because I don't have a prediction for the Eagles 49ers. I, I want Philly to win. Although I'd be happy if the 49ers won because I love Brock Purdy, but I, I'm just going to, this is a game I'm going to sit back. Um, I need to find a place to watch it actually this weekend. I, I want to go to like a bar or something and find a location to watch the game. I'm in Vegas. It can't be that hard to find. So a place the to MGM watch the game. Grand has a great uh, whatever you go where you place your bets. They have all these all the all of the um, all of the big hotels do the big casinos where they have big huge screens and everybody's there watching the game and um, yeah. Well, going, you you know I love gambling and totally have money to gamble. <laughs> you, do, you just sit there and have a have a coke or whatever you know since you don't drink real alcohol. Um, well, can I have fries and a cocktail and watch the game? Yes. Is that acceptable, Nam Jam Grant? To not spend any more money than yeah, that? Yeah, just, just go chill. to the go to the go to the go to the big room. I, I can't believe I can't. Think it's what, it's like a Buffalo Wild Wings, right? If you're yeah. that kind of environment. Okay, yeah. I'll do that. Go, awesome. go check it out and go go yeah. go. It's I've been to the injury and you go and I think you go to the to the left and just check it out and see if, what I'm talking about. They have is all there the games on there? the screen. What is there? Is there is parking going to be a problem for me at the MGM Grand? I would imagine they got parking. No, right? they, got, like, they got gazillions of parking. I mean, yeah, the, cool. All of the big places will. Um, yeah. But but you just go and watch the game there. I'll find a spot. You know, I got a spot, a parking spot at the Luxor Hotel up through the weekend. So maybe I'll I'll go park there. That that's that's probably I'm probably going to watch it at the Luxor Hotel because again I got I got free parking there because just, of. Find out the where there's bowl. good. Find out where there's a good. Just go check it out in advance. Scope it out. Yeah, I'll be there tomorrow, so I'll check it out. And then you can but, give us um, an update next I, week. So I'll tell you this. I, I I need to find somewhere to watch him because I'm excited for this game. I don't. I have no idea who's going to win uh, authentically. Like I don't. I don't have a. There are some times I'm like, I know who's going to win here. I don't know. There's so much talent everywhere. I think it's going to be a bloodbath. I I do think. No, I take this back. I'll make a prediction here. I think the Eagles are going to win because I think Jalen Hurts is a better quarterback than Brock Purdy. I think Nick Sirianni's a a better leader and better motivator and better coach than Kyle Shanahan. I think the Eagles are a better roster. I think the Eagles win a really close, really intense fight. What do you say? Same thing. Exactly. Exactly. Although I won't be surprised if the Eagles win by two touchdowns. Mm. That won't shock me. So here's a fun question I love to think about. If one team is going to win by, uh, by way of a blowout, we both think it's Philly, right? Not yep. we don't see the 49ers blowing out Philadelphia. It's not going to no. go the other way. No. The only way the 49ers win this football game is in a really close tight game with like a last second field goal or something, correct? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um and I just think the odds yeah. are the odds are that uh, you know um uh Brock Purdy ha- right? No, who's the coach of the 49ers? The coach I mean, Kyle Shannon, no, the, the quarterback, quarterback of the 49ers? Yeah. I know I, my dad is like he knows these people. He's just terrible with names. He's yeah. got dyslexia. He yeah. does his best. Brock Purdy is who you're talking about, the 49ers yes. quarterback. Yes. He, I just, I don't want this on. I want him to succeed, but I think odds of him making a mistake or two that you, there's no room for error in this game. And I think it, there's mm. a better chance of him making that mistake than Jalen Hurts. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. If there's going to be a, 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 a late interception that's costly, 
It doesn't the have one to be to throw like, that. It can be interception in the second quarter that stops them from getting a, a field goal and they lose by three points. Mm. Um, but the, just, because the margin for error is so low. Yes. Do you think the guy who's going to, the person who's going to handle that small margin worse is Brock Purdy than Jalen Hurts? Yes. Not because he's not, not a good quarterback. He's just, he just, Jalen Hurts has more experience, has better down, better all the way around. He's a better quarterback. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree. I, I think that's nothing. There's anything wrong with Brock Purdy, just that Jalen's better. I like I, that's a very reasoned take to say this is not a shot at Brock Purdy. I just no, think not that at all. Jalen Hurts is better. Yeah, but that's that's totally fair. Yeah, and I think Kansas it'll come, City. Yeah, it'll come down to one of. The, I think it'll come down to maybe particularly if it happens in the second or first first or second quarter. No one will think of that's the mistake that cost them the game. But that's what I'll be looking for. Whether it's an offensive or defensive mistake, I think it's more likely to happen on the 49ers side than on the Eagles side. It could be as simple as you're backed up in your own. Feel, you know, you're like backed up, you're starting to drive on your own six yard line and you go three and out where like you really need a first down there to a give your defense a rest and get a little better field position than when you punt the ball the way the Eagles aren't getting the ball in like the 40 yard line. It could be as simple as a bad read on third and three on your own 13 yard line, which results in a three and out and is it gives the Eagles a great opportunity to get great field position, score a touchdown. Then they're up two touchdowns and stuff. It could be that small. That's what I think like, will happen. Yeah. That margin error is so small that you can see Brock Purdy, even that could really cost them the game because it's just going to be so tight. You, we both agree though. It's going to be tight. And I think yeah. we're, we're expecting a, a really close competitive fun game. Yeah. Bengals chiefs. So there, I got three points here that are worth talking about. I believe number one, Cincinnati, I am I am begging you. I don't care if you have to triple team Travis Kelsey. For the love of God, make someone else beat you. Uh, watching the Jaguars give up 14 catches, 98 yards, two touchdowns. And like I felt like every throw was like, and Travis Kelsey gets another blank yards. And you're like, uh, is anyone gonna guard Travis Kelsey? If the Jaguar, if if Kansas City has a bunch of points and wins and beats Kansas City, I don't care as long as the per- person who beats them is not Travis Kelsey. Make Marquez Valdez Scantling, Juju Smith Schuster, anyone can have a big game as long as it's not Travis Kelsey. Like your game plan has to be let's force someone else to beat us. Triple team them. I don't care. Make someone else beat you. And then a, a huge question for Kansas City is Patrick Mahomes' mobility, right? Like we, we both agree. I think Patrick Mahomes is incredible, but you're missing a maybe a third of his game, which is his ability to extend plays and move outside of the pocket and make plays outside of structure. He, with a high ankle sprain, I, I don't anticipate a lot of escaping sacks and running around and keeping plays alive. And when you watch Patrick Mahomes, that's a huge part of his game. It might be way more than a third of his game. That's a big piece of the pie. He's missing that. So you're playing with a quarterback who's not at full strength. And not only that, part of what makes him so special is not available now. That's a huge deal. And then I ask you this question. We already talked about this, but you know, and we, we kind of quashed this conversation, but we, we had a conversation whether it's better for Cincinnati to lose here or lose the Super Bowl. but we kind of talked about it and we're like, well, no, it's if they're going to, you think Cincinnati could afford to lose the Super Bowl again and still recover. Yeah. Cause they'll be Kings of the they'll be Kings, of their division and they will have, uh, Kings their conference, and they will have dethroned, totally dethroned the Kansas City Chiefs, and they'll all feel, eventually, they'll all feel good about that. So I, I actually, I'm going to surprise myself. I'm ready to make two predictions this week. Okay. I think Philly's going to beat the 49ers. 
Cincinnati's going to beat Kansas City. Uh, I, I, that maybe I'm just swung by the compelling nature of Joe Burrow um, being the king of the AFC. That's like a fun thought, but man, I, I also think to have Patrick Mahomes, and I, I just I've watched so much of this guy. Like I, people think I hate Patrick Mahomes. I just he's so good. I I almost find him boring because he's just so dominant. But man, like it's such a big part of his game to extend plays and work outside of structure. Think of how many times we've seen Mahomes make sidearm throws, rolling left or rolling right. He's not going to be rolling right. He's not going to be moving outside of the pocket. And the Bengals have got a good pass rush. They're going to get after the quarterback. So I think Patrick Mahomes' injury uh, I, and mixed with what Joe Burrow brings to the table, the Bengals are going to win. What say you? I say the same thing. And I think that there's, I think the unfortunate thing for, the Kansas City Chiefs is how good Kelsey did against the Jaguars. There's no way a coach is going to overlook that. Twenty-five percent of the receptions, they're going to stop him. And I think the I will not be surprised at all. The other thing they do um, is blitz the hell out of Patrick Mahomes. Blitz him, blitz mm-hmm. him, blitz him, because he's not mobile. They already have a good pass rush. Have a couple other people, and I would, I would see if it works. And my goal would be to wear out his offensive line because they're going to be stressed to protect him already. So then when you're stressed and you're playing hard, you get worn out even faster. So I'd be trying to physically and emotionally exhaust them with the fear that their quarterback's going down again. I would be playing the psychological game. We're coming after your quarterback with everything. You know, we are pinning our ears back. We're coming after him and you're going to have to, fight like heck to stop us over and over and over again. And we're going to wear you out. Steven Schaumler, that's a surprisingly good uh, football opinion from you, schematically. I actually want to disagree, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, you had me. I really liked it. But I thought I, I, you, while you were talking, I was kind of thinking about it. I'm like, you know, what, what would I do? When Patrick Mahomes extends plays, it's usually because no one's open. And it, he actually, he, Patrick Mahomes doesn't, he does run to escape sacks. Like, he'll make a man miss and, and do that. But it's not as common as it is. Patrick Mahomes scans a field. He goes through his progression. There's nothing there. So he rolls right or he rolls left. What's going to happen if you bring a four-man rush and he does exactly that? Okay, Travis Kelsey's double covered. Nothing here, nothing there. You're working through progression across the field. You get to the end of your progression. There's nothing open. And then Patrick Mahomes isn't able to run. What happens then? That's why we blitz him. But but I, I would think with that going on, what you want is Mahomes holding on to the ball for a long time to allow your four man rush to, to win in a one-on-one matchup, whether it's Trey Hendrickson or, um, so what does he do though, if, if, if no one's open and they're coming after him and he can't, he can't go make something out because he can't hop fast enough. He's going to have to hop his way around the field. Yeah, exactly. So he's, I just, he's going to be, blitz he's going to be stuck in the pot. Blitz he's him and sitting duck. Blitz him and sack him. Blitz him and sack him. But and here's, here's why line. totally, I totally hear you, but I want Mahomes a sitting duck in the pocket. Cause if you bring bodies and blitz the quarterback, what you're doing is creating a better matchup outside. And why I think what Mahomes does really well. And what Andy Reid does really well is recognize matchups. So if I blitz a, a linebacker, that's one less guy in coverage. So maybe the guy that is blitzing Patrick Mahomes could be the guy double covering Travis Kelsey. What I'm saying is when you bring a, when you blitz Patrick Mahomes, you're actually playing into his strength. Because what Mahomes can't do right now is run around. He's got to get rid of the ball quickly. When you blitz him, you force him to get rid of the ball quickly. And you give him better matchups outside. 
if you're blitzing two safeties and playing cover zero, you got man-to-man coverage across the board. I don't want Patrick Mahomes throwing its man-to-man coverage. I want an injured Mahomes stuck in the pocket, holding onto the ball, unable to escape. I don't want, I think, again, because Mahomes can't run, he's going to want to get rid of the ball quickly. And when you blitz him, you play into that and allow him better matchups to get rid of the ball quickly. I think it's actually a fool's errand to blitz him. I think you just make him stay in the pocket, nothing's open. He's a sitting duck, and eventually Trey Hendrickson or Sam Hubbard are going to win off the edge, win a one-on-one matchup, and sack the quarterback. I really think that's the best way to go about it. Genuinely. Don't blitz him. Force him to hold on the ball. What you don't want to do is give him good matchups outside. Am I making sense? Yeah, what, I, what I'm hearing, though, is, is if either option works, I, just, I feel like advantage Cincinnati because because there's this this thing out there that Mahomes is not 100 percent and he's he's got a very painful injury. So let me can I can I actually further explain what I was saying? I, I really I thought I figured out how to put this best. Pat Tom Brady, right? We Tom Brady can't run around and extend plays, correct? Yep. Whose playing style is Patrick Mahomes going to be similar to this weekend when he can't run around? Tom Brady. Right, that because t- he's gonna have to play like Tom Brady this weekend, correct? Can he win make from that within adjustment? the pocket? Yeah, yeah, he can win from within the pocket. No, no. So can he mentally make that adjustment. I do, I do. Yes, I've seen him do it. So the number one thing you don't do against Tom Brady is blitz him. Right. Tom Brady will recognize he's coming off the edge. I got to get with the ball out of my hands. Find my best matchup. You know how you beat Tom Brady? With a four-man rush, you, you you make matchups outside hard. Everyone's covered, and eventually your defensive end, if you got a good D line, is going to get pressure on Tom Brady. That's exactly what the Bengals are able to do. The Bengals can play against Patrick Mahomes the same way the Giants did against Tom Brady in 2011 with Michael Strahan and I forget the guy Justin Tuck, and th- there's another guy who blew his fingers off, and maybe it's the same person. They you have a good pass rush. So allow, have faith that they're going to get after the quarterback and don't play into the strength. Again, you're, Mahomes is going to be asked to play like Tom Brady this weekend. The, the key rule against Tom Brady is you don't blitz him because you just play into his hand. I think if you blitz Patrick Mahomes, you're playing into his hand and making his job easier. I really wouldn't blitz him. I'd bring a four-man rush and wait till they can win because if, you can't get pressure with a four-man rush. You're not going to win anyway. And if you do, or if no one's open, you can't go anywhere anyway. Eventually, you're going to sack Patrick Mahomes. You don't blitz him. You bring a four-man rush, and you just make sure no one's open downfield. That's what I would do. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Looking forward to the game. Looking forward to both games. And then most importantly, you have your French fries and a little cocktail. I am going to have spaghetti noodles with some chili on it. <laughs> And some shredded cheese, and that is going to be oh. that's comfort food. It's not skyline chili because I'm not going to, I can't, I'm not in Cincinnati, but as close as I can. And I'm going to have it with both games because in my head, it's just Burrow Day. Sunday is Burrow Day. That's what it is. And so I'm going to have his celebratory meal. Why celebrate Burrow you don't, Day? You don't want to disrespect skyline chili by, by using Nally chili and calling it skyline chili. <laughs> it's not skyline chili, but it's still chili and cheese and spaghetti it's, noodles, which is amazing. Yeah, it's kind of, it's like a spiritual uh, homage to Skyline Chili. That's Children. right. It's an homage. So but the game. So uh, I, I'm interested in this. The 49ers Eagles game is the first game of the day. Dude. I would have thought. I, I would have thought because in my head, the later game is the more prime time game. You know, three thirty p.m. 
uh, West Coast time, that the evening game is the primetime game. Yeah. The NFL views Bengals, Patrick Mahomes uh, as the primetime game, not 49ers Eagles. I guess it makes sense because it's two bigger quarterbacks. You know, yep. who's more of a star, Jalen Hurts or Joe Burrow? Who's more of a star, Patrick Mahomes or Brock Purdy? But it's just interesting to me. Like, we can't really lose. They're both incredible games. I'm glad they're on Sunday. I'm going to just post up somewhere too and just hang out there for like seven hours. Uh, I'm glad they're not on different days. It would suck if one was on Saturday, one was on Sunday. Uh, Sunday is going to be a holiday, man, in, in the Schaumler family. It's going to be an incredible weekend of football. Yep. All right. Well, you've done a great job this episode. I look forward to touching base with you next week uh, here on Strong Opinion Sports and getting more uh, you spitting those bombs, man. Dude, I think we, we're getting better. To yeah, be honest. All, that's all facts, no printer right there. Do we do we tell them about what happened? Uh, <laughs> we we did record this episode already before, and it it didn't work. It uh, we lost the footage. It like wasn't usable. It was really it was really painful. We this is our second time recording this episode. I'm actually glad. I think because it's like getting reps, right? The more the more times you get reps at quarterback, the better you get. And I think our first recording wasn't as good as our second recording. You know, you know, we've now we've now done this the show three times, even though we've only had two episodes that are going to come out. Yep. But we get better every time, and this is our third time ever recording the show together, and I think it's the best it's ever been. It's it's really fun. <laughs> uh, pardon my French. You're you know you can cut that out. Um, I just I think this is fun, man. I really enjoy this, and uh, I think we did really well. Yeah, I love I love. You're my favorite sports person. Uh, I love hearing what you have to share, and getting to be on the other side of it is just a joy. So. All right. Uh, ba-dum-bum-bam. We are done.